guess that you never need it. Sports cards after hours keep the hobby heated. Updates hobby talk like you've never seen it. Sports cards live and I could ever beat it. Sports cards is a lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Welcome to another episode of Sports Cards Live with your host, Jeremy Lee. All right, hello everybody and welcome to episode 121 of Sports Cards Live. It is Saturday night, November the 27th, 2021. My name is Jeremy Lee. I want to thank last Saturday's guests, Adam Gray and Eric Myers, joined me to cover the PWCC Premier Auction. We had a blast as always. Tomorrow night on Collectible Live on the Collectible YouTube channel, my guest will be prominent collector Gary Balicki. His IG handle is at pristinemjsports. Check that out again tomorrow night, 7 o'clock Eastern on the Collectible YouTube channel. Next Saturday's guest on Sports Cards Live is none other than the great hobby ambassador, Brody the Kid. We had to reschedule from back in the summer, and that rescheduled date will be next Saturday. All right, a few shout-outs, guys. Uh, the first shout-out I want to do is it's really the final shout-out. The final shout-out for my guy, Karn, Karn Rye from the Big Three Hockey on Instagram. He was the first person, the first brand to sponsor Sports Cards Live. I'll always be grateful for the, the belief and confidence he showed in the channel, in what I'm doing here. And so I just want to send him uh, all my best as he retires that brand and goes on to bigger and better things. So to Karn, thank you so very much for your support and encouragement along the way. You know I've greatly appreciated, appreciate your friendship, and certainly wish you the best moving forward. All right, I want to ask everybody, check out Channel Supporter Whatnot for one-minute auctions. Buy it now. Shows hosted around the clock. Some of the best breakers in the hobby. They also have other collectibles, including Pokemon, Funkos, MetaZoo, comics, video games, and more. I also want to shout out Collectible and the Mint Collective, which will be in Las Vegas January 28th to 30th. I will be there. Come on out. Join me for this groundbreaking event. And let's throw up on the ticker right now. The website is themintcollective.com, again, in Las Vegas, January 28th to 30th. Want to thank and shout out all you podcast listeners. Appreciate you, as always. Want to shout out and thank everybody who came by my booth at the Sport Card Expo two weekends ago. Thank you so much. What a great show that was. Can't wait till the spring show in May. And finally, thank you to all the subscribers and viewers Closing in on 4,000 subscribers right now. If you're not yet subscribed, please take a moment and do so. Greatly appreciate that. All right, everybody. As always, tonight, your questions and your comments are in play. So let's get to tonight's guest. He started in the hobby in 1998 when his father bought him a pack of Donruss baseball. He went on to work in a card shop in the suburbs of Washington, D.C. in the late 1990s and slowed down his activity from 2000 to 2010. He dove back into the hobby in 2011 as a dealer and started his YouTube channel in early 2020. His favorite team is the Washington Football Club. His favorite all-time athlete is Cal Ripken Jr., originally from Maryland, currently hailing from the Netherlands, where it is currently 3.15 in the morning or so. Let's bring him out. Chris Sewell, <laughs> welcome to Sports Cards Live. How are you this morning <laughs> or tonight? Great, man. Great intro on that. Yeah, love that. Appreciate it. <laughs> you you bet, man. You bet. I, I left out the, you know, Chris Sewell, 
baseball card collector, investor, dealer in that order. And I do want to, I do think let's kick off with that right there, Chris, because I've been watching your videos for a year and a half now. And I've witnessed what I've referred to as the meteoric rise of your channel. Uh, but let's start off with talking about collector, investor, dealer in that order. Why is it in that order? Yeah, so it's in it's in that. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. Hello, everybody for who's watching. Uh, it's it's in that order because those that's the order I became each thing. So I started off as a collector. That was 1988. Uh, my first first pack of baseball cards. I was absolutely obsessed throughout the 1990s. Uh, around like the late 90s or so, I became an investor as well, and then disappeared from the hobby for a little bit. And then around 2011 or so, I became a dealer. So and and today I'm and today I'm a combination of all three, uh, a dealer more than the others, but. Uh, yeah, that's that's why it's in that order. I became became those things in in that order. So let me ask you this then: since you've named the channel and described yourself as those things in that order, you've become somewhat of a YouTube sensation, which is kind of funny to to call you. That. I know it's like, it, <laughs> yeah. it must feel weird even hearing me say that. It's but very it's strange. True. Yeah, yeah, it's very strange to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the truth, Chris. I mean, you've got lots of subscribers. Your videos get tons of views. I watch ninety percent of them. I would say. You get so many comments all the time. Um, would you will will you ever add from collector, investor, dealer, content creator, or or advisor, or influencer? No, I, I've, I've literally thought of that: baseball card collector, investor, dealer, YouTuber in that order. It would, it would line up. It would it would make sense. And YouTube's part of the long term plan now, so I guess I guess I'm a combination of all four. You, cer you certainly are. And, and it's a big part of what you're doing in the hobby as well as, in terms of your involvement and your activity. So um, it would it would make some sense. But I, I you know, there, there's something to be said for keeping it, uh, keeping true to what worked and what got you started. Right. <laughs> well, so. I, I actually a lot of people thought it was a, a bad title at the beginning because it, it was long, confusing, easy to, you know, people mixed up the, the words a lot. So it was like. I, I probably shouldn't make it longer. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. There, I think there is sort of a, a suggested standard amount of characters you should yeah. have in, in your video titles, in your in your YouTube channel name. So you're probably at the max for that. Yeah, probably at, at the max. Point, yeah. yeah. At this point, I don't know if anything will, will slow you down. You do such a great job. Your videos are are always interesting, well thought out, and yeah, and and, so. and they're informative and educational. You know, I always I always think about content when I whether I'm creating it or I'm consuming it and I think you know I want to sort of the three cornerstones are educate entertain and in, and inspire um I really think you do all three you certainly educate you you know you are entertaining even in, in your sort of monotone delivery you are still you're entertaining I love what you've done recently towards the end of your videos where you'll say things like eat your vegetables or you know little things like that speak to Speak for a moment to kind of throwing out those little, those little one-liners that kind of throw your audience off. Yeah, so I've I've mentioned a couple of times on my channel uh, when I when I'm on, on on camera on my channel I'm very serious and, and monotone for the most part, and that's not who I am at all in person. I'm not sure why. Uh, that's just how I feel comfortable on cameras being very serious and but but that's not who I am. I'm I'm a, I'm a I goof around a lot. I'm I'm very easy to. It's very easy to make me laugh. Like I, I'm giggling all the time. So I, yeah, I just throwing out a couple of jokes there here and there to try to, you know, let my personality come out a little bit more. So I guess would be the yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I will just say I. I mean, you know, 
I don't know that I'm representative of your whole audience, but I certainly do. You know, I'll watch. You don't expect it. And at the end of the video, I will laugh out loud and I'll kind of, it's like, I'm almost like winking at you or giving you like the thumbs up, like good one, good one, dude. That was, yeah. that was great. You know, yeah. I, right. I do enjoy that. So, all right. I want to get into a little bit about, um, you know, how you and I met, uh, which we did at, which was at the national back in August. Uh, it, it was great to meet you there and really a bit about your card show experience, uh, your, your experience going to the national and, and going to card shows in general. Was that, uh, was that your first national or have you been to many? Oh, no, I, I've been to the national every year for uh, probably since 2011 or so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I, card shows are my, my probably my single favorite part of the hobby. As as they are mine, too. I, you know, I always say that uh, when the expo in Toronto ends, I start counting down until the next time. Same thing, <laughs> same thing goes for the national, especially yeah. after the past year, which was such an awesome show for especially, you know, for. I, it was awesome for a lot of people, but I will say my own experience, and I'm going to guess yours too, was really extra special because we have these YouTube channels, we we create content, and we've we've become part of this this group of content creators. It was nice to meet other content creators, including yourself, as well as people that that watch us on our channels. Did you uh, did you experience that at the show for the kind of like for the first time in 2021? It must have been the first time because there was no national in 2020, but what was it like for you walking around the show? Did people approach you, say hello, want to meet you, that sort of thing? Yeah, so I I, I loved that. So I've been to I, w- I was at a couple shows before that, uh, like the Chantilly and the Philadelphia show, um, but there weren't there weren't other content creators there, I don't think. But yeah, a few people came up and, and said said hi, and you know I love the channel. At the national, it was like every every ten minutes somebody came up and. It, it never got old. That, it, that's something I, I thought I would not like because I'm a very private person uh, in general. So I would have guessed ahead of time that I wouldn't have liked being approached by, you know, hey, I love your channel. But I, I told it's, so, it's it's awesome. I, I love <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and it was yeah, really it was. cool to meet. It was really cool to meet content creators. That was, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, there, I probably met ten or at, at least ten or so. And yeah, your your uh, your your floating head uh, billboard was was cool to see. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's you know it's interesting because I I always kind of look at being at shows and meeting fellow hobbyists. You know, we have we have cardboard in common, so we're automatically going to have a certain level of rapport. Once you get to know each other, you see if it lasts. Yeah, but yeah. you have that as just as cardboard collectors. But if you throw in content creating on top of it like when i met you i just felt uh a kinship if you will to right. you and i could look at you directly in my directly <laughs> at, you. I'm one of at, I, at eye level right i mean we're, we're both about six and a half feet tall it's, yeah it, it's rare that i can look at somebody uh eye to eye at that same level so we, we yeah. also shared that which was funny i thought <laughs> so you you worked at a card shop in the late 90s uh was that really kind of what gave you your first taste of buying and selling sports cards uh, and, and maybe what led you to want to become a dealer when you got back in 2011? Yeah, that, that's, I hadn't thought of it. That's probably about right. So I was, I was started collecting 88. I was just, I was obsessed with cards throughout the nineties. And then, uh, and then I started working at a, a card store from 96 to 99 in, uh, in Maryland and absolutely loved that. But yeah, that, that, that really changed my thinking from uh, my, my mentality on the hobby. Um, as the, it's not just a hobby, you can also make a make a living out of it. And a, a lot of a lot of things changed with those years, most notably, like, stop opening packs. <laughs> like, 
I, I mean, I, the number of people I would just come in that would just come into the store and just open packs and sell them all back to the store for 10% the price and then op get one more pack and then get nothing. And it, that, that was like hard, to, almost hard to watch at times. So, but, 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 you know, working at the store sort of showed me all these things and yeah. Yeah. I, I can definitely identify with that. I kind of stopped busting a ton of wax several years ago because of that, that same sort of a feeling, but I'm <laughs> grateful for the people that do bust the wax because it releases these cards into the wild and allows us. No, no. And, and there's, and there's a lot of fun in it too. So, you know, you're getting, you're getting a lot of value from opening packs as well. Definitely. There's a, there's one of my LCS guys, he refers to it as the, the breaker tax, the, yeah. the, the tax. Yeah. That yeah. Pay. That's right. That's right. But it's also the experience that you're that no, you're it's the experience exactly. Yeah, yeah. You you pay more when you go to a restaurant, but there's an experience to it. Exactly, exactly, for sure. So I mentioned earlier, you are out in the Netherlands right now, where it is about three fifteen a.m. for you. Yeah, four um, four fifteen, but yeah, four four fifteen. So I thank you for making yourself available at this uh, middle of the of the night for you, but. Yeah. Why don't you let everybody know? I mean, I don't I don't know that I've heard you discuss it on the on your channel, but what took you out to the Netherlands in the first place? Uh, so my, my wife got a, a really impressive uh, job offer here. We've we've always we both always loved Europe. Um, and we we basically were like, well, why don't we go for a couple of years and see how it goes? Yeah, it was basically just a, like a two year plan. Um, COVID has extended that for a couple of reasons. And also we, we really love it here. So at the, at the moment, we haven't We've sort of postponed the coming back uh, to the states indefinitely, but I, I, we will eventually at some point. Probably not too far down the road, but for now, we're 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 here, and yeah, we we, we love it here. I asked you the other day. I said, "What's what's all that stuff hanging on the wall behind you? Is that kind of you planning out your episodes for your YouTube <laughs> channel?" And you said, "No, no, that's my." No, uh, yeah, I wish I could say I'm some mastermind, you know, <laughs> world designer, but no, it's just my. My six-year-old's artwork. <laughs> it's your it's your kids' artwork. Well, it's, it's yeah. great that you, that you have it all up. Is uh, de definitely definitely. So yeah. I wanted to ask you this, and the answer might seem obvious, but I'll let you speak to it anyway. How do you stay connected to baseball cards and the hobby in general from the Netherlands, from Europe? Very easy answer, and that's the the, the YouTube channel. So when I when I moved here, uh, it was at the beginning of two thousand nineteen. I didn't really know what the plan was. I was basically, I was basically in the, in the mindset of, okay, I have two years to just sort of try something else and, uh, and then we'll go back and I can, I can pick cards back up, uh, when we go back after, after, after a year, I tried, um, basically I was, I was, I was day trading a lot with, with the stock market with some, some level of minimal success, we'll say. Um, but after a year, I just missed cards. So, I mean, I was, I was still, you know, buying on eBay a little bit here and there, but uh, I just missed cards so much that I was like, I, I, can't, I can't, I have to get back into cards. What, what am I going to do for the la for another year? And at the time I was thinking I'm only one more year uh, and then we'll move back. What, what can I do to get back into the cards? Oh, I'll start a YouTube channel. Um, and it was literally like a, this is just a, a one year filler thing to stay connected to the hobby. Uh, and then it's just, it's just grown so much that, that, that I can't, I, I couldn't, I could never abandon, you know, even if we go back, I'm not, I'm not abandoning the YouTube channel at all. That will now always be a part of, of it, yeah, moving forward. So, yeah, well, so the YouTube channel, the YouTube channel is how I stay connected. I mean, I fly to the States quite regularly to go to the shows every couple of months. I go to the States for a couple of weeks, but the YouTube channel is really the main, the main thing. 
you can't stop the YouTube channel, Chris. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I, I, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. 40, and 40,000 plus people uh, do as well. So you would you disappoint a, a lot of people if, if you ever did that. Yeah. I want to uh, I want to go to some comments. Let's welcome some people to the show. I'm sure we have a bunch of new people who discovered uh, my channel through you. I, I do appreciate you putting that that little uh, video on your channel, letting people know that you were going to do this. So thank you for for bringing people and and putting more eyes and new eyes onto Sports Cards Live. I greatly appreciate that, Chris. Yeah, yeah, of course. So let's say hello. We got Studio Sports. As boys are back, get your drinks and let's go. Welcome back, Studio Sports. We got <laughs> we got Troy's Collectibles with the new names as two of his favorite YouTubers tonight. Great to have you as always, Troy. Good evening to Chris C. Timeless Cardboard. Tyler says, I've been waiting for this since I discovered both channels. See, <laughs> cool. <laughs> that's really cool. That's really nice yeah. to hear, Tyler. Thank you. And great to have you as always. Birds on the Bat says, since you two are combined 13 feet tall, who would win a one-on-one -on -one basketball match? I played some, I played some basketball in high school. Or not, not at not at the high school level, but no, pick up, pick up. I don't know how good you were. No, I'm I wasn't very good. I've got the height, but uh okay, I, 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 can, I, I can take you then. I'll I'll claim it. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. He, he would win birds on the bat. He would win one of one memorabilia. My two favorite people on YouTube. Thank you. Uh, I love, recognize that name. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. You got a great, great account. Global. Good day there. You beautiful human. We got Corey Carr. <laughs> hello, Corey. Great to have you. Jeremy Pringle, Albert Jones. Hello, Chris C. Jeffrey Hart. Back as always, Eric S. This is an episode I'm looking forward to. Great to have you. Tiger Jordan says, so happy to be here live with two of the best in the biz. Thank you so much, Tiger. Yeah. Richard, you. Richard Gotron, first time catching live. My two favorite YouTubers. Any any used Toyota Camrys for sale tonight? <laughs> yeah, you know, I've never actually owned a Toyota Camry, which I don't know if you know that reference I reference on the channel quite often. Yeah. Eric S says, I really enjoy Chris's videos. Thank you for that, Eric S. PSA Slab Guy, looking forward to this one. Met Chris at the National. Super nice guy, as did I. And yes, definitely a super nice guy. Tiger Jordan says, so close to 4,000 subscribers should easily surpass. Thank you, Tiger. That would be a great milestone for, for this channel. Rocco says, Jeremy, Chris, Sports Cards Live in that order. This will be a blaze, <laughs> a super blaze. This will be from the Blazer, Blazer Division, Division, everybody. Nice. From the Blazer <laughs> Division. Thank you, Rocco. Great yeah. to have you. We got Eric Sanderson to or Eric. Great to see you. Great meeting you for the first time in person at the expo. Johnny Atenko, dude, I'm so excited for this episode. Let's go. Beat hobby catchphrase collector investor dealer in that order. No doubt. We got Ron Fig. Great to have you. Ron B. Roy. Timeless Cardboard says, yo, this is going to be epic. I hope so. Valentini Kitchens. Great to see you. Great meeting you, your bro, your son at the show. Thanks for uh, everything, uh, Valentini Kitchens. We got Ramsey El Mektoub says, my boy, must be talking about you. This is a new name for me. Does, do you recognize this name? Uh, I, I recognize the, uh, I, I recognize the, the, the King Kong or, yeah, the, the thumbnail. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, the Dutch Let's Go studio. Steve Donnelly, <laughs> great to meet you at the expo. Gave my teen a great deal of line of young guns, and it's true. You really don't expect him to be as tall as he is in person. I love it. One for the task is stoked. Corey Carr is stoked. Thanks, everybody. You know, I do. If you're new, I do like to, you know, welcome everybody to the channel. Involve all the viewers, the comments. As I mentioned at the outset, your comments, your questions are in play. So feel free to post up any questions you have for Chris uh, or for myself, of course. Facebook user, good evening, Adam Holgate. Looking forward to the show. Baseball card curmudgeon, what's up with you? 
Michael Ham in the house. Great to have you, Michael Ham. I like this. Valentini says, a pleasure meeting your followers here also at Jack Gaffs. What a great night and dinner. Thank you to the kitchens, <laughs> the Valentinis. Brandon Spicer, welcome to the show. This is what's going on. Gem Mint Cards, hello. I can go on and on. The comments are coming fast and furious. So we're going to we're going to sort of slow down right there for now. I'll, I'll scan for any questions that you all have. Uh, bless and breaks. Here, we'll do this one. My favorite YouTuber, Chris. He's like that history teacher I always wished I had. <laughs> I get, you, I get that. I get some... that. I get that now and then. You would be. I wish you were my history teacher. Yeah. <laughs> Too funny, right? Too funny. Uh, here's a question for you, Chris, from Tiger yeah. George. How much of your collection is maintained? between where you're at in the Netherlands, in the United States, ComC, et cetera? Uh, my, my personal collection, my personal collection is all with me. I guess there's a little bit in storage in uh, the US, but my uh, inventory is spread all over the place. There's a bunch of ComC. I, I, I think I have a dozen accounts around the hobby now where cards have been shipped out to. And I have, I have a bunch with me here uh, and a little bit in storage in, in the States. There, and there you go, Tiger Jordan. Scott Fiska says, Chris's channel and his knowledge of the hobby is great. Very true. I've noticed that too. But Chris, give some insight to, to your audience, my audience here about how much time do you actually put into your video? What what level of, of research goes into what you're doing? Uh, quite, quite a bit. I, so it used to be a lot more. I've gotten I've gotten faster at it now. Uh, but when I, I, like a high rollers video will take about four hours start to finish uh but it used to take like two two days uh but i've just gotten faster at it and, and a, a video where it's like a very worth like a lot of data and research is probably like a, a one full day like an eight hour day so it, these things take time right it's a bit different oh, yeah from... yeah this is i i put a, i mean i do a lot of research i script out a lot of what i'm going to say not not exactly but partially i do a lot of editing uh yeah so it's it's time consuming, but it's, it's fun. I mean, it, uh, you know, I don't, I barely even view it as work. So that doesn't even feel like that. It, it's a lot different from what I do. You know, I only do lives. And yeah. so there's, you know, there's prep up front in terms of scheduling and planning and making, doing show notes and all that. Right. But once the, once the, the, once the recording is done, the work is over. There's, there's no going back and doing yeah, anything yeah. to it. It's on to the next one. Whereas with a typical YouTube video, you shoot it. And then you edit it, you add all the different features to it. And that there's a lot of time there as well. Never mind the upfront research that a that a, a video like yours takes because you're providing so much information and knowledge. Yeah, yeah. It's uh it's a it's a full, you know, close to a full-time job, if we'll say. Yeah, no doubt. Well, let's let's take a second then and uh talk a bit about and, and just to let the audience know, anyone who's who's not completely familiar with with sort of the the different types of videos that you produce, the cadence of your videos. Um, what different types of videos do you have and, and when do they come out? Okay, yeah, so I have two two recurring ones. Every Wednesday is called The High Rollers. Uh, that's uh, it, it changes now and then, but at the moment, it's just a top 10, the highest, uh, the top 10 highest sports card sales of the week. Uh, I usually only look at eBay, although I've been adding some other platforms recently, like uh, uh, MySlabs and, and PWCC. Uh, but yeah, it's usually just the top 10 eBay sales of the week. And then uh, Thursday is regular rollers, which was basically a spinoff of high rollers where at some point my channel was just all, so many of my videos were like these $50,000, $100,000 sales, you know, I was reviewing golden auctions and 
all the high sales. And I was like, you know, it's not like, it's not like the average person is out there, you know, buying these uh, LeBron refractor rookies all day long. So, uh, so I wanted to just do some uh, videos about more normal sales, you know, $25 eBay sales, $100 eBay sales, $3 eBay sales. So regular rollers started that and that's every Thursday. So those are my two recurring videos. And then I also post a video every Monday and Saturday. And uh, so it's four a week, but occasionally a fifth uh, if I'm feel inspired. And the other, the other, the other, the, the Monday and the Saturday are just whatever I'm sort of inspired to do that week. Um, yeah. And, and they, they vary in a lot of different things. So there's top 20 lists or just uh, hobby stories or, uh, you know, something I noticed that's worth a, worth a, a breakdown on data, that sort of thing. Yeah. I've noticed over the last year and a half or so you have, you have added new <clears throat> types of videos. You, you've, you've gone as far as even, you know, you, you've gone into great detail about some of the big deals that you've done over the years where you, which is, it's pretty impressive that you actually have the data to go along with and the photos. You were actually, you had this foresight. You must be thanking yourself now when you would <laughs> well, go to buy. So what I'm talking about, if you haven't seen these videos on Chris's channel, is that he has, he'll, he'll kind of recap a collection that he bought, you know, 10 years ago. And he'll go through and explain what he bought, how much he paid, how the negotiation went. He'll have pictures from, from the collection that he, like the person's garage, piles of, of boxes of cards, pictures of them to, to give you an idea of what the scope was that he was dealing with. And then he'll tell you how he went on to dispose that collection, what cards he kept for his personal collection. And he has the financials to, to add really some some amazing context to just how successful the purchase was. So one of the questions I had for you on that, Chris, was, you know, how many of those deals did you document to that level of, of detail? And you've already, you know, you've already shared several of them on, on your channel. Are we going to run out of these things? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so uh, the, when I was, you know, in the, in the peak of my dealing, the, the biggest aspect of my, my, uh, what I did was go around and buy collections. So I, I would go to people's homes and buy a, a large collection like twice a week. And I was doing this for, for years. Um, so, so there are hundreds, you know, hundreds of these and, and every once in a while there'd just be some crazy story. And, uh, and every, my wife's always like, Oh, me should have, you know, yeah, you got to write these down. And so I, I would, I would sort of write down some of the stories, but the, the financials I'm very lucky on because um, a lot of those were done with a partner also, also named Jeremy who I've mentioned a bunch in my, channel and normally i wouldn't just keep the financials on a random deal but um on a lot of them i did for his for his sake because we were splitting the deal he needed you know he wanted i wanted him to be able to see exactly what we're selling how much we're selling it for so i kept all the financials and all the details and so i i luckily just still have it all so a lot of the a lot of the deals you'll a lot of the deals i talk about are, are deals i did with him and that's specifically because i have the financials I have the financials on them but if you go back to when I really started dealing, I was I was keeping track of deals back then as well, just to sort of make sure I was doing all right. Um, but at some point, I stopped because uh, you know I, I don't need to I don't need to keep financials on a deal that I do myself today, for example. I, I just don't need to. But uh, yeah, I will eventually run out of stories. So those those are my most they're not quite my most popular videos, but I, I think they are. I think they sort of are. They don't get the most views, but I think they're people's favorites and. Uh, I've done maybe 10 or so, and I probably have about five left that are, that are good stories where I have financials with them, but I, you know, I, I don't want to just use those five up. <laughs> so I was sort of spacing them out, you know, 
put out one yeah. a month or something. Yeah, you, you got to savor them. You got to let the audience savor them too. We'll be disappointed when they run out, but you're yeah, still active. Yeah. You're still active. You're still buying collections. So theoretically, you might be able to generate some new content for for those types of videos as time goes on. Oh, definitely. Well, I've already, yeah, I already have a couple from this year now that because uh, when I go to the States, I usually go to the show, go to a show and, and buy a bunch of collections locally. So wherever, I, wherever I am. So yeah, right on, right on. We'll, we'll get back to that. Timeless Cardboard says, Jeremy, thanks for getting the best guest in the hobby. You Any are welcome. Timeless Cardboard. Yeah, you're welcome, Timeless Cardboard, for sure. Bob Lewis says, guest from the Blazer division tonight. I love it. <laughs> Colin Murray, hello to you. Jim Goodfellow says, yo, Chris is the man. Uh, Jim Goodfellas definitely recognize that name. There you go. Great to have you, Jim Goodfellas. Chris C says, it's the card heavyweights. Two great shows at the same time. Terry Fortune, good evening. Jim asks people to hit that like button. I appreciate that very much. Yeah. Brian yeah. Rupp wants to know if you're going to the Philly show this coming weekend, Chris, seeing as you're sitting in. You are. Yep, I'm uh, flying out. I won't be there Friday. I'm flying out Friday, uh, and we'll be there Saturday. All the all, the whole show Saturday and Sunday. There you go, making the trip across the pond. Right. It's, uh, it's, 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 yeah, I love it. Yeah. Gem Mint Cards found Jay Lee from Sewell's channel. No new subber here. Welcome and thank you so much for subbing. Nice. Greatly appreciate that. Model Car Guy, thanks for the deals at Expo. Must be Marco. You are welcome for the Gretzkys. Sold a couple of Gretzky rookies. Uh, at the expo last weekend he, he did he, he did or you did i sold to him oh nice nice yeah yeah nick m finally watching a live inside of the podcast and what a good one to be here for chris what's the coolest card you've bought in the netherlands who i don't think i've bought a card there's no card marketing oh there, there was a small show i went to but uh there was like eight there it was in belgium there was like eight tables and it was all modern basketball i don't think i've bought anything I don't think I bought anything of note. Yeah. Uh, is there is there any hobby activity in the Netherlands? Are there any shops? Are there any other collectors you've happened to run into along no. the way? Essentially zero. Like I said, there's there's like one. I've been to one. Well, I guess I've been to two shows here, but they were both eight eight, eight tables, and it was like it was really just like a, some. Uh, friends from it was like all all the card collectors in belgium met at this one show and there was eight of them <laughs> <laughs> and were they were they all expats or were they local no they were all local and but yeah. it was all it was all basketball and and soccer yeah it was all, all modern basketball and soccer hoff card collector wants to know what's the what's your favorite card in your collection oh man uh you well, know you know this question was coming i told you i was gonna ask you oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it would, well, it'd probably, I mean, there's just, it would some, be something Cal Ripken. Uh, all my, all my favorite cards are basically all my favorite Cal Ripkins. Um, maybe I, I've told the story of my 1988 Donner's Mark McGuire card. That's actually, um, the card I got in the first pack I ever opened. Uh, I still have it. Awesome. The, the, the exact, the exact card I got in the pack. Yeah. That's in 1988. So cool. It's, yeah. uh, it's probably in like VG condition. If you put it in an auction on eBay with, no, with free shipping, it would probably go for like, 10 cents. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But hey, that's okay. Some of the yeah. most important cards in our collections are the ones that we have the most sentimental value with that yeah. nobody else would have sentimental value for. So yeah, yeah. Uh, this next comment is quite the quite the praise. This is heavy praise here. The hobby equivalent of mantle chatting with maze. Oh, which one? Who's who? <laughs> you can you're i don't know there i don't i want to give you the better of the two but i don't know which is the better of the two they're both absolute legends so i'll take i'll take maze 
Okay. You can have, you get first pick. You can have maze for sure. For sure. Uh, thank you, Luigi on, on my pickup of that card. Uh, Troy, Troy says, Chris inspired me. I now collect a special collection run over by a dr- dump truck division. Nice. And what we're talking about with these divisions, again, if you don't watch Chris's channel and you should be, if you're not, um, just your delivery, Chris, with with a certain, you know, I always re- come back to the Blazer division when a card yeah. is just so nice. You you do say from the, what other divisions ha- do you have? Okay, there's the Blazer division. Uh, there's the I'm Jealous division, which is basically the same thing. It's like a high-grade vintage card. Uh, run over by a truck division. Uh, those are for ultra-poor vintage usually. Uh, run over by a bulldozer division is if it's like, you know, missing corners and stuff uh run over by a bicycle division is you know it's it's poor but not that poor okay i think that's all i got another sort of recurring sounds good i i like the blazer division that's those are the cards i like to look at the most that but yeah, of course yeah. they're obviously the nicest <coughs> yeah um timeless cardboard says what's the one card you probably will never own but is at the top of your list uh, that's an easy one. 1980 uh, Cal minor league card. It's an orange border. Uh, they're, they're impossible. There's only been like 30 of them graded ever by PSA. I've never even seen one. I, I, mean, I might have probably seen one like at a show or something, but I've never known somebody who owned one. Um, yeah, that card. I think there's 30. I think there's something like 40 total graded by the, all the companies. Well, okay, and that'll address Michael Ham's question as well. Frank, and the, the highest great. grade is a PSA eight that exists, so that would be the my holy grail. There you go, there you go. Uh, Frank says, "Great guess," and only one I sold the card to many years ago, which is pretty cool. Oh, he's, uh, he sold a card to. Sounds like he sold a card to you. Oh, cool. Karen wants to know how specific is your inventory? Do you log each individual card, common stars? How do you, how do you do that? I don't, I don't log anything. The, uh, I, the only thing I do is when I do a deal with a partner, then I log everything for their sake. That, that's uh, basically the only time I keep track of, of stuff. Okay. And let's go to this one from Scott. He says, Chris's regular roller segment is so interesting. What a great concept. And I want to use that comment as a bit of a segue into, you know, like you said before, high rollers, we're talking about cards that are 50 grand and up. Uh, you know, a very small percentage of your audience can really identify with what it's like to acquire a card like that. A very small percentage of the hobby can identify with what it's yeah. like to acquire a card like that. So my question is, and you get lots of comments on your videos. I want to ask you how you keep up with that. But but before we do that, from the the the, the tone of the comments, do you find that your audience uh, resonates more with regular rollers, your regular rollers videos than your high rollers videos? How do you, how do you see and, and how do you perceive the, the audience between the, the two different channels, the two different videos? Yeah. So the, the, the high rollers gets more views um, than regular rollers consistently. But yeah, I would say, <clears throat> I would say the the regular rollers is more, you know, closer to people the high rollers all the a lot of the high rollers comments are what, what are people who's got this sort of money you know wh- why would you spend that money on this wh- what's going on here this is this is this is bonkers whereas the, the regular rollers is, is a lot more like personal hobby stories you can say oh i bought a card like that oh cool you know i want to uh, so I, I i like that aspect of it a, a lot yeah yeah okay cool i'm gonna come i want to go to this one quick from ron fig do you have other hobbies 
Um, well, I'm a, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I watch all the Star Wars stuff whenever I can. Uh, I play I play an adult soccer league. Um, other than that, I mean, I have a lot of interests, but I, probably, I wouldn't call anything else really a hobby besides that. You got, and you know what? And I mean, the way I think of it, even for myself, is I just don't have time for any other hobbies. Uh, oh, yeah, between, yeah. Between family, career, and uh, and hobby, right, <laughs> one right. is enough. Yeah. Tiger Jordan says, a question for both of us. Have there been any unexpected benefits from your channel? Similarly, any unexpected challenges? We'll put that to you first. Uh, lots of unexpected benefits. The, uh, one of the big ones is that people contact me and want to sell me their collections. I, I didn't I didn't anticipate that being like a part of the channel at all, but that that just started happening regularly. And so every time I go to the States now, it, you know, probably at least 20 people are sending me a package for me to to buy from them. And that that's all. That's awesome. Because uh, another, you know, another way for me to keep my business going that way and have and buy collections, which, like I said, there's not any collections to buy here, so that's really cool. Any challenges? Yeah. Um, any unexpected challenges? Uh, no, I mean the channel's been a lot, been like all positive, <laughs> basically. How about how about you? How, what's the how's the channel been for you? in those aspects yeah i mean the uh, the benefits are it's almost immeasurable the benefits just in terms of the really it's just the the enjoyment i get from meeting like you know this is episode 121 of this particular show that i do i also do a show called after hours which oftentimes comes on after this one mm -hmm. and then um you know I do collectible live I, where, you know, where collectible, the, the, the yeah. fractional ownership company has contracted me to host a show on their behalf. So right there, I mean, I'm, you know, generating some income from doing that. That's a benefit just financially, but back to my original benefit is, is the fact that I get to meet people. We're going to, you know, my episodes are about two hours long <laughs> on average. So yeah. they're, they're long. So I spend two hours with, with a hundred, about a hundred and, 50 different people so far. I've had Dr. Beckett on the show five times. I've had That's Brian so Gray from Leaf on the show half a dozen times. You know, uh, the, the list goes on and on, the, the, the names of the hobby I've had. But I, it's not only the, the show itself. It's, it's a good hour before the show, learning about them, being able to build some, some rapport, developing the, the questions I want to ask, the topic. So I get to spend like at least three hours with all these people talk about a benefit of having the channel and uh, just getting to know the who's who of the hobby. So for me, that's been, I don't think I can really measure that, what that is, but no, it's definitely yeah. been an unexpected benefit for me and just my overall hobby uh, enjoyment and satisfaction. Yeah, imagine 10 years ago, someone being like, I'm going to pay you to hang out with James Beckett for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, it was funny because he was he was my the first time he was on was episode number 30 for for my show. Yeah. And it was like I was I was starstruck. I was I so been, I would have been very nervous. I was blown away that the guy whose name is on the magazine that I'd been buying since the mid to late 80s yeah. was now sitting with me in my, you know, online studio and I was going to get to talk to him and 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 uh, he's a great guest, too, because he's very, you know, not only does he have so much information, but he actually is interested and curious as to what you're doing. And he asks questions himself as well. So just a, a great guy to have on the show. But those would be benefits. As for challenges, you know, keeping up the pace, I would say, has can become challenging. Just being just keeping up with the 
doing this every Saturday now. I'm coming up. It's really coming up on two years. Not quite. I started in April, but yeah, you know, we're, 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 it's going to be around here before we know it. And I've only missed uh, maybe two Saturdays in, in all that time. So that would maybe be one of the challenges. But thank you, Tiger Jordan, for the question. Any other comments on that from you, Chris? Uh, yeah, no, that's a good question. I, I, yeah, I was thinking of I was trying to think of challenges too. I mean, when I when I travel to the states, it's it's tough too because I can't I can't really put out content when I'm traveling. So I guess that would be a challenge. Just like a you see a, you see a major dip in your your channel views as you uh, as I go away for two weeks, but it's uh, I, I wouldn't call any of it a, a problem. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with that for sure. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Hart says, Chris, what is your favorite card that you've kept from one of your finds and purchases? Yeah, my favorite. I mean, my my collection is pretty large, so <laughs> that I've kept from a, one of my purchases. Uh, well, oh, I did a, I did a video on. I guess that wasn't from a purchase. Well, I did a video. My, my most valuable card I've ever owned is a, a black refractor uh, LeBron James PSA nine. But I got that for eight hundred dollars back in the day. So I'll, I'll call that one it because it'll it'll ultimately be my most profitable, you know, single card. Very good. Very nice. You know, it's funny. I kind of think of you more as a, a baseball guy for what it may because it's in the name of your channel. And then, you know, your favorite card that you have is a, is a basketball card. Uh, yeah, that, that, well, when I, that's actually a, a, a mistake. Well, not a mistake, but probably sports card collector, investor, dealer would have been a, a smarter t title. Uh, I grew up with baseball. I don't know if you, you were you grew up you collected in the eighties and nineties, but you were you were made into hockey or were you into baseball as well? I did it all. I, I was buying packs of nineteen eighty basketball cards. The, the oh panel, wow, you were you were the one. Panel cards. <laughs> yeah. I remember buying the. I, I have a vivid memory of opening those up in the back seat of my mother's station wagon uh -huh. in probably 1981, 82. Okay. And, uh, yeah, vivid memory. I mean, when I I remember, and it might have been the area I was in, but I remember, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, the hobby was 90% baseball, and then the other sports were almost like niche sports. Uh, football was sort of second, but. So I grew up. I grew up with. I grew up collecting them all too. But baseball was just so heavily dominant at the the way I remember it. So that's sort of why I I, I almost think of when I say baseball cards, I, I interpret that as like all sports cards. I but I, I, I know, probably yeah. a lot of people today don't 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 think of it that way. Well, I do. I do too. Yeah. You know, it's and I'm in Canada, right? So when people ask me, you know, oh, why were you in Toronto last week? Oh, I was at the, the sports card show. And then they, you know, but I didn't say sports car. I said sports cards. And I'll say, you know, like baseball cards or like yeah. hockey yeah, cards. Yeah, 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 right. That's what I'll say. Because people recognize, they just know baseball cards or, yes, or yeah. hockey cards up here. It kind of defines the hobby at, right. as a whole. Yeah. Right, right. Here's a question uh, from Sean. It says, Chris, how much do you believe... EU import duties are de are a delimiting factor among European collectors. Uh, yeah, I think I don't I don't really know. Pro probably a little bit, but I haven't I, I don't I don't have much insight on that. Fair enough. No, Chris C uh, and Chris, I noticed this at the beginning, but we'll 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 get to it right now. Thoughts on why iconic goat cards keep falling? For instance, ninety six Chrome Kobe. Uh, 2019 Prism Zion. It, well, Kobe isn't the Zion yet; it keeps plummeting. It's not just about pop counts, it seems. What are your uh, thoughts on the the 96 Chrome Kobe Bryant card seemingly coming down in value? Uh, yeah, so I would I would step back and look at the the bigger picture of that and say, 
you know, in 2020 and particularly early 2021, card prices shot up at uh, to an all. I mean, we've never seen that sort of rise in card prices in ever in, in the 30 years in, in such a short span. And they shot up, and it was amazing to see. But they shot up too too high. Like, and and we're it just it's not. <laughs> I mean, it's just not. It, there were too much. It's too much, man. I mean, a million dollars for the Jordan, you know. So I, then then a natural correction has happened, and I think when you think of. And the correction is not just something that happens in like a week or a month. It's it, maybe we're still in it, and maybe we're still at the tail end of it, or maybe we're in the middle of it. But I, I just see that I just see that we went so high, and we're just now in a natural correction that will end at some point. Maybe maybe it's at the end now, but that's what I would say. If you, if you notice cards like the, the Kobe falling, that's what I would say it's going on. In in my guess, and if if you zoom out a little bit and you yeah. zoom out to 2019, that card is still up about you know. Six exactly. to 10 times what it was right. in 2019. So, you know, I own that card and to me, and I bought that my copy, I don't know, in 17 or 18. So to me, it's still been a, a humongous win. It yeah. really depends on when you, when you entered the market on that card, but really, yeah, it, it, it it's, it's come down to where it kind of, it's more not it's equilibrium, if you will. And I won't say it's because I don't know that we'll ever be at equilibrium, but we're certainly come back come down to a level that is much more sustainable and uh like you said when that card was selling for north of forty thousand dollars it was i mean just too much for the cards so. yeah right so it's, it's 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 healthy i mean the correct the corrections like that are healthy and then yeah. you have to decide when the right time to buy in is if you you know if, you, if that's a card you want or you believe in kobe as a long-term hold is now the time to buy or are, you, or are people going to continue to wait thinking it'll continue to, as Chris said, plummet. But if you do that, you may never get a chance to buy it as low as you can today. Uh, that's tough. Yeah, that's true. It's tough to time the market. I've, I've been saying throughout the whole pandemic that I've, I've been buying cards consistently for really about, you know, over four, well, let's say over 30 years, uh, you know, for even, even a bit more. So uh, I don't really care where the market's at. I will always be buying cards because it's what I do. And if some go down in value, well, so be it. You know, hopefully we have enough that have gone up in value to at least balance things out. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I would say the Kobe. I mean, that's an all-time iconic card of an all-time great. So, will it be higher or lower a year from now? Who knows? But will it be higher or lower ten years from now? It's going to be higher, probably. I think so too. I would yeah. agree with that for sure. Scott Fiscus says, I absolutely love when you share the ideas you have when you bought a collection. So unique and educational. Yeah. Insights like that are really where I think you as a specific content creator, Chris, add a ton of value to the audience because you're not just showing them what you did, but not you're sorry, you're not just showing what you did and what you bought, but you're explaining what was going through your mind at that time. And that is truly just a valuable perspective to share. Do you, do you enjoy, do you enjoy that? How, like as much as we, as your audience enjoy it, how do you, how do you enjoy providing that information? Well, they're, they're really fun to relive. A lot of the, a lot of those stories I've told, you know, to other hobby collectors and, and dealers many times. So it's, it's fun to relive. And when I make the video on it, I actually have to really relive it and like sit down and remember, you know, go through the actual spreadsheet and say oh yeah i did that card was in that deal and that that is that's really fun okay sean rob says thank you chris for being so respectful about hockey cards in your stories and high low roller episodes yeah which uh you know 
I think it's nice. Hockey does kind of seem to, uh, you know, get kind of looked down upon uh, by, by some in the hobby. And, and you know, and it's not like it's not warranted as far as what's going on. Soccer has overtaken hockey as, you know, it used to be hockey was the fourth and now it's probably the fifth, maybe even the sixth if, if UFC and F1 are, are going to overtake it in terms of popularity. But how do you, how do you, Chris, you know, you observe the hobby, you observe the market. How do you see hockey kind of within the overall landscape? And do you, I mean, I'm seeing it gain steam right now. Are you seeing it gaining any steam? I think that hockey has, well, so it's interesting just to come back. It's interesting. You think soccer has overtaken hockey in, in like what sense, just in like the number of collectors you might, you might be right. I'm not, I'm not sure. Number, number of cards you see on, on car in card show and in, in showcases of card yeah, shows. No, you're right. Or yeah. Um, true. Also PSA subs. I mean, hockey's at the bottom of the list as far as what, you know, you look at the gem rate data, which we'll talk about gem rate in a few minutes. Yeah. Um, you look at the gem rate data and hockey's at the bottom of the mo of the sport that has the most submissions to PSA on a weekly basis. So that's what I mean. And soccer is, is way above it as mm -hmm. of late. Now I don't, I, I, I think there's more hockey cards in the hobby than there are soccer cards and that for won't sure. turn around for, for many, many years, if not decades, just because of the history. Know, how long, yeah. yeah. But as far as what's popular today. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I would say that, that's probably true hockey has like this incredible uh base base customer base that's not that maybe is as strong as any of the other sports like the and now it's it's smaller but uh you're not gonna you're not gonna put a dent in that so you, hockey's not going down anytime soon yeah so i think i think it has like a a, a really strong base and that that gives it gives it potential to grow for sure you know when you I think you're 100 percent right, and I've I've said this lately that um, you know I believe that baseball and hockey have the most dedicated collector bases in the hobby. Yeah, that's yeah. where uh, you know, that uh, totally agree. Yeah, I, I think I think basketball is at a higher risk of losing a lot of its collectors just because yes. it's it's you know so many people that have come into the hobby in the last couple of years have come in to basketball because it's so hot and popular and, and, you know, these worldwide sensation athletes. So I, I do think that hockey has a foundation that isn't going to go anywhere. I'd say the, the, you know, we use the term floors and ceilings, but I think the, the, the foundation is very, very strong in hockey, uh, probably second most to baseball. Well, yeah. Second most to, to vintage baseball almost is what I would say. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Skeppy says, what recurring trends and themes from the 90s are you seeing today? Which ones do you think are helping the hobby the most? Uh, recur uh, so not quite sure what you're referring to, like the card design or uh, oh, you mean in like in terms of compared to the junk wax era? You think that that's what I think that's what, what he's getting at. I think, you know, I, I've seen people recently say that, you know, this is, you know, we had the junk wax era in the 90s, as you just mentioned. And some people are feeling like we're in another junk wax era. People have dubbed it the junk slab era. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, recurring trends. I mean, you know, maybe it's just a, a lot of supply, which seems like they can't pump it out fast enough. There's not enough printers in the country to. <laughs> or in the world to produce these, these things for us. Cards, brands are being delayed. So it's, it's bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you got to wonder back in the nineties, if pro set and score and Donruss and upper deck, were they printing their own cards or were they using third party vendors like they do today? Um, 
and it seems like they were printing more back then than they are now. So I don't know what happened to all the printers, but uh, I, I have a feeling that maybe that's kind of what what uh, Skeppy is getting at. Just yeah, yeah. Um, well, there's definitely similarities. Uh, uh, overproduction or not overproduction, just the number of cards being put out is the is so higher than so much higher than it's been in twenty five years or, or whatever you want to say twenty years. I would say. Um, you know, I, I don't know if the I don't know if the hobby will be able to sustain that long term. I mean, Fanatics has said they want to grow the hobby ten x. So if they do, then they will. But you know, we have we have seen it before in the in the uh, in the early nineties when they were just a company. The card companies were just printing money. I mean, they were just yeah. they couldn't they couldn't sell it fast enough. Eighty eight tops baseball wax boxes. They could print as many as they wanted, and they would sell them all. I think I think Fanatics first move and uh, Josh Luber, if you're watching, I think that uh, one of the first things you need to deploy capital into are printing machines. <laughs> and just <laughs> if you're going to grow the hobby 10x, we need more printers to print the yeah. cards. So yeah, yeah. All right, let's go on to Adam's question here. He says it could be an entire show, but could you both comment on how you value a collection you would be buying? Uh, you want to go first on that? Sure, I'll be I'll be quick and thank you for for the opportunity. I would just say that you know when I, I I look over it pretty quickly. I look at the cards and I kind of say, okay, we'll find out what the person wants for their collection. Say it's ten thousand dollars. I'll I'll say, okay, you know this group of cards here are going to recover my ten thousand dollars. The rest is going to be the gravy, the profit, whatever you want to call it. And how much of that do I believe there is? And you know and if the person and believe it or not, if the person is undervaluing, you know, I have been known to say, listen, <laughs> you know, I, I can't give you that. I got it. I'm going to give you a bit more because it's just not enough. You're, you know, if you're going to sell me for 10 and I'm going to sell for 60, I'm going to, I'm not going to have a good feeling about that. But if I'm going to buy it for 10 and sell it for 20, even 25, you know, with all the work involved, depending on how many, you know, if it's three cards, it's not going to go that way. But if it's 300 or even 3000 cards, then yeah, there's a ton of work you're going to want to double your money at least. So that's kind of how I go about it. I kind of, and I always try to protect my, my downside too. You know, if, a, you know, cards are, are volatile, the market is volatile. So I will kind of consider what I think is, you know, if I have to liquidate, what's the least amount I'm going to get for this card. And that's kind of where, what I use sort of as a baseline um, when I'm buying a collection and I will, I'll apply that sort of mindset to the high value cards within that collection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What you said is really important. Like I think a lot of time, well, first of all, yeah, this could be an entire show because <laughs> that would take a, a long time to, uh, and, and really it's, it's sort of like a function of experience. Like the first, when I was started off and I was buying collections, I, I was getting things wrong all the time. Uh, but over time you just get a lot better and faster at being able to assess what, what, what it's worth, what you're going to sell it for, how much you're going to, how long it's going to take, how much work it's going to take. And what, what you said is really important. Like a, a lot, a lot of people I'll say, you know, I bought a collection. They're like, Oh, what'd you pay for it? And I'll say, you know, X. So what'd you sell it for? Why? And they're like, Oh, cool. And that's the only thing they think of to, 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 to factor in, but how long is it going to take you to sort it to how much work is it going to take? I mean, it doesn't feel like work, but it, time is money and it, you know, um, and, um, how long is it going to take you to sell it? Like, like, is it stuff that's going to fly out of your shelves and you're, you're going to sell it, you're going to flip it, or is it going to sit in your eBay store for a year and then maybe someone will find, you know, you got to really factor those things in. Otherwise, you'll really 
you could really trap yourself in just in terms of cash flow and whatever, all, all sorts of other issues, Get, just getting tied up in a deal, you know? Yeah, you certainly you need to factor in your time. And like you said, time is money and it's time away from your family. It's away from other things as the opportunity costs away from other deals. Yeah. Other deals. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to even I sometimes even go as far as thinking to myself, well, how much do I want to get paid an hour yeah. and how many hours is it going to take me? And, you know, so to buy, it, it might seem like a great deal that you can buy a collection for $10,000 to sell it for $15,000. But if that, if there's over a thousand cards there and you, you know, you also need to consider if you're someone who sells at card shows, as I do, you have to transport those to the card shows. So you might pay for extra baggage, which right. I do every time you have to rent showcases. You might have to rent an extra booth at that card show just to be able to display your extra inventory. So that is a, that there's a cost to that as well which is all over and above the time that you actually spend. So there's many factors. It's not just money in, money out. There's there's yeah. other things you got to you got to really look at. Right. And, and and that so when I do my buy, collection buying videos, I make a point to include, okay, this took this took me 4 weeks of full-time work and I recovered my money in 10 months or or whatever it was, uh, so that it's not just what you pay and what did you sell it for? Exactly. Those, those are those, your time is almost more important than that. I mean, it's almost a more important a factor. It really comes down to how much how much is your time worth to yeah, you? Yeah, you know, right, like what right. do you get out of bed for? Do you get out of bed in the morning for fifteen bucks an hour? Or are you a hundred dollar an hour kind of person? Right, right. It just depends where you where you value your own time. Yeah. Uh, Bill the Hoff Collector says one of the few high subscriber channels I'll watch. This guy knows the hobby. Very nice. Thank you, Bill. Uh, very nice. Jeff Hart says if it's not a trade secret, how do you source all the collections you buy since you've been able to find sellers so regularly? You mean how do I find the the, the collections to buy? That's At this the point, they just yeah. they come to me. I, I don't. Uh, it's all. It's basically all word of mouth for me at this point. It's word of mouth and it's relationships and it, it's yeah, and relationships. Like, by word of mouth, you almost mean references. I can't tell you how many times I get a a message, a DM on Facebook or Instagram saying somebody told me to contact you. It just happened after the expo. Somebody was somebody told someone to contact me. They were misinformed that I was in the Toronto area. And I said, listen, I'm not going to be able to help you, but I got a guy for you. And I directed him to my, to this other guy. Yeah, and yeah. you know, that's what it is. It's relationships and uh, just knowing who's going to be fair with, with, with collectors or with people who have collections. Yeah. I think, I think, um, what, yeah. And you, it sounds like you, you know, when you buy a collection and you, treat the person right and you pay fair, they're more likely to re refer you to someone else down the road. And so if you just buy a whole bunch of collections over time, it's just sort of snowballs. And at some point it's like this natural, natural web is being created of, of people, you know, contact you to buy, to sell collections. Yeah. Yeah. Transparent grading team. Good to see you as well. You too. Uh, Chris, Chris says, I don't think we've hit the bottom yet. When do you both see a stabilization in prices? I'm going to go off on a limb and say never. I don't think we're ever going to see stabilization, uh, especially over the next five or so years while this transition to fanatics is going to happen uh, among the hobby growing. But as far as bottom, I mean, I don't ever like to try to time the market. I might try to, you know, look, you know, seasonality within an overall sport, you know, based on when the playoffs are starting or the season itself is starting. But as for timing the overall market, I'm just not smart enough uh, to do that. What do you think, Chris? Any comments? What you just said is exactly how I feel. Like timing, timing the market is not a game I play. Um, are we at the bottom? I, I have no idea. In, in, in the short term, just no idea. 
um, like you said, I, I will I will time the market around like sports seasons. Like, oh, it's the off season in baseball, so cards card prices are down. I'll buy some baseball right now. But beyond that, uh, not not I don't really do much. I mean, I have no idea where the market's going. I would I would actually guess that it's going to be somewhat stable for a little while. But uh, but maybe the fanatics chaos will, will cause some chaos. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't really really th- thought of that. It it could. I mean, it's speculation even on, from what yeah. I'm saying. Chris, I remember it just popped into my head the uh, yeah. the uh, suburb of Maryland that I worked at. Oh yeah, I was that's... it was Gaithersburg, Maryland. Oh yeah, that's right next door. Okay, or not that... next door. It's a it's a twenty minute drive from from where I was. That's where I was living and working, and probably uh, in ninety nine or two thousand. Okay, in, in the late nineties or late? Yeah, late. I was on secondment there. It was the it, it was between 98 and 2001 at some point when I w- would have been there. Um, were and were you collecting for, cards at the time? Because I was, but I wasn't while I was there. I was literally working, you know, 12 hour days. I was, you know, doing my CPA articling and that's what there was no there was no downtime. But okay. uh, yeah, because so, the, the card store I worked at was 15 minutes from Gaithersburg. So if you were going to card stores at all, chances are we ran into each other. But Oh, could you imagine? That would have been hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I recognize this guy from ah, yeah, yeah. That's that other, the other tall guy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's been a couple of questions about, uh, here we go. Hoff card collector. How do you deal with government taxes? I think we're talking income tax here when selling collections. So it's a really good question. One that's coming up more and more, especially as I believe it, uh, PayPal or eBay has kind of lowered their threshold as far as how much money you're pulling out uh, to the point where they have to issue a 1099 or report to the IRS. Uh, I'm in Canada, so it's going to be a little bit different here. We don't have the IRS; we have the CRA. But uh, we'll start with you, Chris. I mean, and and I, I can all, I also am aware that as a as a U.S. citizen, you still need to report your income to the government in the U.S., even though you don't live there. Whereas in Canada, you you only report where you're resident. So if you're not a resident of Canada, you don't need to report to Canada. So you may not be a res. You may you know if you were Canadian, you wouldn't be a resident anymore. But as far as the U.S. goes. And if you want to keep this high level, please feel free. But how do you deal with that uh, with income tax when selling sports cards? Uh, I mean, I just report everything and pay my taxes. I'm not, I'm not uh, like I have an accountant who handles all my taxes, and I, I keep records of my monthly sales and my month, monthly purchases. And uh, I, there's not really more to it than that. They, they they do every you know they just put it all into the program and tell me what I owe. Yeah, pretty much. And pretty much, you know, I'm a, I am a a CPA, so it's in my nature to keep very detailed records, which I do. And yeah, I mean, the the nice thing about, about being a hobbyist who generates some profit on an annual basis from the hobby is that, you know, every time you travel to a card show, that's a deductible expense, your hotel, your car rental, your showcase, your yeah, all, all that. It's all yeah. deductible. So you, you know, and it's not just uh, in this in the sports card world, any business you have, any expense that you can deduct against your income to come up to your taxable income is an expense that you need to take. So it's not just revenue minus expenses that is minus cost of goods. That is simply gross margin. You've got yeah. all your GNA, your general and administrative expenses under there, whether it's travel, professional fees, uh, promotional expenses, anything underneath there that you can also deduct to get to what is known as taxable income. And that's what you pay tax on. And it's going to be a lot lower than your top line revenue. So yeah, yeah. No, and I, and I, rec- I record all that stuff goes to my accountant as well. 
Yeah. yeah. Which it, it needs to, especially with, with the numbers that we can be talking about in the hobby yeah. these days. Global right. sports card investor says, absolutely appreciate both your efforts and insights. Thank you, Global, for that. Uh, Jim Goodfellas, yeah, big props to both these guys. Both have their own niche. Yeah, no doubt. And thank you very you. much. Uh, Todd B, I think, is this the same answer as the card you were talking about <laughs> before? What piece of Ripken memorabilia would be the holy grail of your collection? Yeah, it's the, the 1980 uh, Orange Border. <laughs> Daniel A, uh, hello and welcome to the show. Late Chris, love the Jedi style hairstyle. Very That's cool. Right. He gets it. He gets it. He gets it. Is that I'm is a, that a tribute to Star Wars? It is. I'm, it's a, I'm a Padawan, meaning I'm training to be a Jedi. And when I become a Jedi, I cut it off. Here's a cool comment um, from Valentini. It speaks to what I mentioned earlier, just about relationships and, and being fair. He says, we specifically went to Jeremy to buy his cards when we could have went to all the other dealers at the Toronto Expo, we appreciate this channel. And that's how I think Jeremy can benefit from us viewers. And, yeah, definitely. and I, I did benefit because these guys bought several cards from me and I'm not, you know, three, four digit cards. So, but you know, the other benefit was meeting these meeting people, meeting, making new friends. I mean, it's can't say enough about it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you to the Valentini Kitchens crew for sure, Marco and Mickey. Sean Johnson says, my two favorite card collecting content creators in one place. You both there are hobby vets. I would love to hear your takes about the dark years of, rel of relative hobby collapse in the late 90s to the, to the 2000s. And it's funny, Chris, because you'll know I wanted to speak specifically yeah, yeah. about the second half of the 90s. So Sean Johnson, you're, you're thinking along the same lines as I am. Yeah. So... Let's let's get into this for a couple minutes, Chris. Um, and I'll just preface it by saying that when I, you know, when I wanted to talk about it, I I started to refer to that era. It's a short era. It's literally what you have here. You know, it's ninety five to 1995 to the year two thousand, and I'm calling it the creative era. It's it it comes after the junk wax era, and it comes before the game used era, the game yep. used and autograph era, which is really what I consider <laughs> modern, which for ease and convenience, we'll say starts in 2000. So even though I recognize there were autos and mem before sure. that, but it really became the, the regular occurrence in the early 2000s. I call it the creative era, but I do, you know, the, 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 the dead era is, is an apt name for it as well. It was, it's the only, it's the only five-year window of the of my life where I wasn't completely immersed in the hobby. I've been completely immersed in this hobby really since about 1980-81. Completely, okay. completely yeah. immersed, dominated my life since then, except for that five-year period. And now, ironically as it would be, that five-year period, Chris, is like my favorite era of the hobby. And I, I, re I deeply regret not being as active in those five years as I was every other year of my life. So that, that kind of sets the, the, the context for, the, for, for, you know, that discussion. So, you know, the dark years, as Sean Johnson says it. Uh, so Chris, with you, let's start with your, with your sort of take on those five years and uh, how you look back upon them. Yeah. So that, that's a really, in, the nineties is fascinating. Um, and I, I was I was in I was heavily involved throughout the nineties. I sort of stopped around two thousand actually, uh, so I was big into it these years. But the nineties is fascinating because if you look at the hobby in nineteen ninety and then again in two thousand, 
they're nothing alike. In 1990, it's a hobby for kids. You go to a card show, it's mostly kids. By 2000, all the kids were gone. And and so through through the 90s, you know, the, the peak of the hobby is like 1990, let's say, around there, in terms of number of viewers or the first peak. Now, we're sort of in a second peak now. Uh, 1990, and then it just it steadily dec decreased through the 90s because it was such a popular hobby that all these new brands started entering. And every year there was just more and more and more and more brands. And, uh, and, and, and the chase card, the insert became the thing. And that just like escalated at such a, such a rapid pace, like you said. And then when you get into the late nineties, there's just so many brands. If you look at it, there's like brands you've never even heard of that were, <laughs> were around, you know, Fleer, uh, Fleer Focus, and it was like every, every new any word you could think of, they just put at the end. It was like Fleer Maximum, Fleer Focus, Upper Deck, you know, Ultra, or whatever they could come up with. And then um, I think there was something like sixty brands in nineteen ninety nine, and so the companies were just competing, competing, and they're getting creative because they had to one up each other in terms of making the hot new design and the hot new chase card. And and it was funny, like the the hobby the hobby declined in terms of viewership, but increased in terms of uh creativity it's, it's sort of like an interesting interesting uh it's it's funny how the cards got that much more interesting and unique and all the die cuts and the different foils and everything that make and the you know the stocks that were used the jambalaya the lenticular the use yeah, of lenticular yeah. and jambalaya yeah right it was yet yet the hobby was i believe the 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 hobby public was so disenchanted with what happened in the first half of the nineties that they weren't even willing to look at the hobby in that second half, the hobby, the card companies responded by come by getting more creative and, and unique in their designs and, and their issues. Yet there was, there were fewer people there to, to purchase them. And now, now that's the era that people are really myself included looking back to and saying, I want to dive in and acquire cards from them because I'm just so enamored by it. I don't even know how else to put it. I'm just so interested in it and, you know, trying to learn more. It seems like every day you can discover a card from that era, whether you collect Michael Jordan or Ken Griffey Jr., you know, someone who was in a lot of sets, you can look back every day and find a card that you didn't, you'd never seen before. Do you ever it, experience it's, it's, that? It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, have you, you know, uh, off the top of your head, you recommend 1996 Pinnacle Skylines? doesn't ring a bell Skyline. exactly it's like it's like an insert that like you wouldn't even but it's like the coolest looking insert and they're actually pretty rare and expensive but like nobody even knows about them because they're it's yeah. just like the, 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 there were so many good ones that they got lost yeah yeah exactly and and that see for for my situation where i was less active much less active for that five-year period everything that i'm discovering is new as if it was brand new back then yeah, so yeah. it keeps the hobby that much more interesting for me nowadays and i can go back and pursue some of those cards and really enjoy them as if it's the first time because for yeah. me it is so ah, it's cool. kind of cool. it's cool in that way okay let's yeah. switch it up here dave and we we're well behind in the t in comment in the comments as far as the time on the clock goes but that's okay we're going to work our way through them and uh Chris, by the way we're going, we may have to get you back for part two at some point if we can get you to wake up in the middle of your night again. I'm down. I'm down. He's down. All right. Perfect. David French says, how does Chris afford all the time spent creating his episodes? Is he monetizing well? Would you do an episode breaking down what you make from your YouTube videos? Uh, it's, uh, yeah, I've been asked that. I might, I might do that at some point. Um, I, I make a little bit. Um, 
not enough from the channel to make a living, I would say. But uh, but I kind of do two thirds of my time goes to the channel, one third of my time goes to my card dealing life. And uh, the channel has, like I said, brought in a lot of benefits to my card dealing. I mean, a lot of, like I said, a lot of people sell me their collections, which has benefited the one third aspect. So uh, from a strictly like money directly from YouTube, it's it's good, not great, but uh, overall things are things are great. Yeah, and 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 the intangible benefit of just the enjoyment and for the sure, networking sure. and yeah, yeah, I'd be going crazy if I hadn't didn't have my channel because <laughs> I'd just yeah, be on eBay. I'd be on eBay ten hours a day and becoming a, a crazy person. Yeah, my, I, I hear that. It was <laughs> it was the best thing I ever started. You know, I started mine in April of twenty twenty. <laughs> And thankfully I did because it made this whole pandemic era yeah. uh, that much, you know, it, it's, I, I hate to say it, but I will just, you know, and it's somewhat tongue in cheek, but tongue in cheek, but I've, I've said, you know, to people outside the hobby in my life that, that the pandemic has been a great, a great era of my life. It's been, the pandemic has been great for me because yeah. I've created this channel. I've made so many new friends and and it's benefited me in many ways uh, especially just from a grant and taking up the time, right? You know, spending the time feeling productive and delivering value to others because, you know, we get great feedback on, on what we're doing. So it's, uh, it's just, yeah, it, it well, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Let's no, go yeah, on. Yeah, same, similar for me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Todd McDonald says, do you think any of the new products like soccer or F1 will grow the hobby in Europe? What, what are your thoughts on that, Chris? uh uh long term yes i think uh i think soccer and, and f1 are uh there's so much well they, they don't have the base foundation like hockey like we were talking earlier but i think the upside on those is insane i agree and i think i i agree completely um with both of them i think they're the two sort of key sports and and sports card uh you know niches or whatever that if there is a way to penetrate for the hobby to penetrate the other countries, it's going to be soccer and F1. I mean, F1 is a sport of riches. So, yeah. you know, it's a sport where just to go and observe it in person is extremely expensive, more than any North American sporting event. So if, you know, as, as Carvin Chung has, has been known to say, and if anyone doesn't know who Carvin is, he worked at Upper Deck and invented Exquisite and worked at Panini and, came up with national uh, uh, immaculate, maybe even national treasures. He invented the cup with upper deck for hockey, but he's, so been he's, on, a, he's on a, he's on a cool, he's done a couple of cool things. He's done a couple of cool <laughs> things. He's a true legend. Um, <laughs> and he said that, you know, if, if like, uh, what is it? Saudi Arabia or uh, the, the United Emirates, if these countries ever get onto cardboard, look out because there's a ton of money there. And there's a ton of interest in F1. Never mind soccer, which is worldwide. Obviously, it's not only in first world countries, but so I think that there is potential for the hobby to blow up. I mean, basketball's done a great job in in Asia. Let's say uh, you know to to grow the hobby there. Why can't soccer do it in Europe and South America and F1 do it around the world? I mean, F1 play F1 is in a different country every week or every second week, so it's uh, yeah. in a different hemisphere even or continent. So. No, and with and with fanatics, I mean they're a global brand. You know, with the U.S., the U.S. is what five percent of the world population. I mean, just think of the the potential audience for. I mean, 
the number of soccer fans out there, or I don't know, I don't know where Formula One would sort of rank worldwide, but you know, there's 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 literally a hundred soccer fans for every baseball fan. It doesn't it doesn't feel like that, but but that's the potential market. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Eric says, uh, what is a baseball card? Never heard of it. Is it like a hockey card? <laughs> and Eric lives in Boston. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Pass. <laughs> uh, pass on that. Okay. Let's keep going. PSA Slab Guy says, do you have a target percent of value you generally play for, uh, <clears throat> generally pay for a collection? How do you factor in the time involved to sell it? I think we kind of touched on that a little bit, but I'm just yeah. going to, I'm going to say uh, for me, there is no target percent. Every collection is different. It really depends on this, the volume of cards. In the, the bigger the collection, the lower the percent I'm willing to pay because the factor is time. Uh, I think that's a pretty a, much a general rule. Anything else to add to that, Chris? You and I should buy collections together because that, that's exactly what I was going to say. I have no target percentage. In fact, I think going in with a target percentage in mind is a mistake. Uh, because every collection is different and it depends on many factors that are beyond just what should I pay and what should I sell it for? And time is the biggest factor. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Next comment here. Uh, Andrew Mark says dollar cost averaging, which is, I think when in, in relation to when we were talking about not timing the market, just always buying. And therefore you're always kind of buying, you know, you're going to always be at the, at the average in a way, but I can say that if you're savvy in the hobby, and you have a bit of foresight and you have experience, you can you can still have it work in your favor. I feel like I've been able to do that. How about you, Chris? Yeah, so uh, explain more what you mean, just buy, always, always buying? Well, yeah, like, you know, dollar cost averaging for anyone who doesn't know pretty much means that, you know, if you if you if you buy a share of Apple once a week on Saturday, every oh, Saturday. Yeah. You're out. You're just dollar cost averaging your buy, so that you know you're never gonna. You're you're just gonna. You're just gonna always kind of be buying, and therefore you believe in the long term strength of the market or that particular holding. So it's like if you buy a if you buy a Kobe, uh, tops Chrome rookie. If you bought one for twenty thousand, and now you can buy one for ten. Okay, I'm dollar cost averaging down from 20 grand to 15 by buying gotcha, one at 10. Gotcha. So you're bringing down your average cost. If you're buying on the upswing, you're taking up your average cost, though. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have a short, it sounds like I'm saying, again, same as you. I don't have a short term view on stuff. So I'm never like buying a card thinking I'm going to sell it a month later because it's going to go up. Uh, I, I don't have that mentality or very rarely, let's say there's times when I identify a card that it's, I think is undervalued, but I don't, I don't think, oh, this card's going to go up because I, I, so I'm just always buying and always reselling. And, and if you have a long-term mentality, it doesn't really matter what the current, what the current, uh, you know, if the market's down now or if it's up now, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. If you're, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And pastime says, uh, never time the market if you buy quality stuff yeah. you like you will never lose and you know i nailed it yeah yeah th there's there's truth to that and i hear people saying that a lot however <laughs> i just want to add one caveat to that comment which oh. is if what you love costs you what is a lot of money to you <laughs> so whatever say ten thousand bucks you know if what you I love, love honus wagner was that i love honus wagner cards it's right yeah yeah you don't have to worry about honus he, honus is a blue chip but if what you love is $10,000 and is a player who is in his first or second year, um, you might learn to not love it if that card goes from $10,000 to $500. You might learn, you might not love that card anymore. So That's true. Yeah. I think you have to, 
It's a great comment, but I think you have to sort of take it with a grain of salt. And I hear it a lot, but I always think, oh, yeah, yeah, there, there's a degree of, uh, there's, there's a caveat to that, I believe. So, well the, well, the younger the player, the bigger the risk, right? True, 100%. 100%. That's, that, that's the, that's an, an, an inversal truth right there, yeah. right there. A nice comment from Joe R says, the two legends of the hobby right here. You both are awesome with all the info for this great hobby. Thank you very much, Joe R. But I will say there are, uh, more than just two legends, and uh, <laughs> thank you for putting that status upon us. Um, top of the fifth says, "What's the best grading service for vintage baseball, in your opinion, Chris?" Uh, well, in, in well, in terms of the hobby, like not so much my opinion, but PSA is is the distant distant leader by a, a wide margin. SGC is the clear number two, and then there's a, a long drop before whoever's number three. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I would echo that. I mean, it just, even if you, you did a video, I believe it was you, Chris, that did a video recently showing the amount of listings on eBay that were PSA versus Beckett yeah. versus SGC. And like yeah. PSA was like, I don't forget the exact numbers, but like 1.2 million and Beckett was like 250,000. Yeah. So yeah, was, it, yeah, PSA had two thirds of all the, all the listings. All the listings. Yeah, everyone else combined is one third. It's far and away, I would say, the market leader or in terms of market share. Does that? But by a mile, yeah, and and uh, yeah, no matter no matter what you hear people say, it's a distant leader by all realistic measures, and 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 especially with vintage, because because yeah. in modern you can at least point to Beckett as, uh, with high end modern you see Beckett show up a lot. With vintage, there's just no there's no one there's no one competing with PSA at the moment. That may change. And it's it's funny. You've been around long enough, Chris, to recognize, especially going to the National back in the 2000s, that SGC was, get, you know, what was right neck and neck with PSA as far as vintage, especially pre-war went in the, in the 2000s, the first decade of, of this current century. Uh, I remember walking around the National and there were as many cards in SGC slabs as there were in PSA. Now, that's no longer... Uh, been my observation, but do you remember those days? No. So you're, you're talking about the early, like the like the early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. So I, that was the years when I was sort of out of the hobby. Oh. I, don't, I don't remember. I don't remember a time when SGC was on par with. I, there, there, like there was a, there was a. There, I sort of remember people saying pre-war. You said pre-war, pre-war yeah. stuff. A lot. Of, there are a lot of SGC collectors um, because the cards just kind of look nicer or to some people's opinion it just looks nicer um and the you know the grading is similar in terms of strictness but uh i don't i don't personally i don't remember a time when i would have said sgc was on par with psa but that but again that's only going back to about 2011 yeah yeah no fair i you know my that was my perception of being at the show at the big shows the national specifically in chicago like 2000 uh, seven, 2008, uh, even as late, as late as those years, seeing just tons of P of, uh, SGC, but, yeah. um, now it's definitely kind of veered towards, uh, or heavily, as we just mentioned towards PSA for, so for that was, that was back when they had the, the one to a hundred scale. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Troy's collectibles under the formerly adventures with Troy. Uh, thank you very much for the tip. Troy says, thanks Jeremy for the live stream. And thanks Chris for staying up at 5 a.m. Your time. Yeah. Please help out. Hit that like button. Thank you, Troy. <laughs> Appreciate that very much. Uh, Lee Haskins saw Chris a few times at the Chantilly Show. Cool to see one of the YouTubers in person. Yeah. No yeah. doubt. No doubt. Love the uh, Chantilly Mark, Show. Yeah. 
Mark says, I never miss either of your shows. Hypothetically, if either of you were to become the CEO of Tops, what direction, sport, or hobby would you steer it into or would you sell the company? Hire me to sell it. That's an easy I, I would sell it immediately. I have no interest in that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. What would I mean, you go for? Well, it's tough. It's a, it's tough to say. There, there's so much uncertainty being the CEO of Tops right now in terms of what's going to happen with with fanatics. I I recently heard uh, Josh Luber, I believe it was Josh, that said that uh, they don't foresee there being fanatics branded cards. So what does that mean then? Whose brands are going to be on the cards? Is it going to be Tops? Wait, wait, they don't. They, there's not going to be like a fanatics brand. That they're just going to buy out other brands. That's what I don't I know how they're. I don't know what they're going to do, but what I heard he said was that he doesn't foresee there being Fanatics branded cards. So what is that? We can interpret that however we want. I don't know what that means exactly. I'd be speculating, but it just speaks to the uncertainty that Tops is, is under right now and Panini. Upper Deck is the only company that seems to be uh, unscathed by all this. <laughs> Upper Deck is fine. <laughs> they, just, they just extended their, their exclusive licenses with NHL and NHLPA, and they have other properties as well. But um, so I don't, it, it's a great question, Mark, and uh, would need more thought, I think, for yeah. me. But if there was no fanatics, let's say the tops was the one that extended their license, I think the answer would be a lot different. And, um, you know, it's, it's a great question, but uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what I do. I wouldn't sell it though. I wouldn't sell the company. That's for sure. Well, you I, would I have to, I mean, you know, for tops, baseball is your bait. I mean, that's the only of the four major sports they have at the moment. So you gotta, you gotta continue focusing there, but I would, I would expand on soccer and formula one, like we've mentioned, um, MMA. I mean, I think, I think these other sports are going to continue to continue to rise. Um, so I, I would br keep branching out in that way as one idea. I don't know if, if tops can't go into football and basketball, I assume, or hockey. hockey. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it's a great, maybe what I would do is I would try to do it, what fanatics did and, and try and get, get licenses from the other sports as well. But, uh, that's obviously. Well, why did fanatics not, why did fanatics not go after hockey? I'm sure they could have just outbid upper deck in whatever. Manor I had the president of Upper Deck, uh, Jason Mashra, on the show here uh, last month or so. And, yeah. um, you know, we asked the same question and it really came down to long-term relationship. It came down to the relationship that they had with the league and the NHLPA and their willingness to work with them, I believe. So, you know, whether or not Fanatic, we don't know that Fanatic's made a bid at hockey. We just, you know, you assume it, but you don't know for sure. But uh yeah, I, I definitely ask people or, you know, recommend go watch the video on, on my channel on Sports Cards Live with Jason Mashra and see what, what he said to that. It was a great interview. He provided a lot of insight into what, what's going on at Upper Deck and, and sort of how they uh, how they were able to secure the, the, the hockey licenses from the league and the PA. It was, it's, it's really it's a really a feather in their cap that they were able to do that. No, that's actually, it's actually, I hadn't really thought of it till right now. It's actually amazing because I, I assumed that Fanatics, I don't, this is, I guess, speculation as well. I just assumed Fanatics came in and just outbid everyone by like some ridiculous amount that even though the, you know, Major League Baseball has a 60, 70 year relationship with Tops, they're like, well, this is just too much money to pass on. That's what I assumed happened. Uh, it, so I would have guessed they could have done that because they have so much, you know, Fanatics has so much more money than any Tops or Panini or Upper Deck. So I would have assumed they would have done that. I mean, why not do that with hockey as well? Uh, it, it, but maybe that's not what happened. I, I don't know. 
it's all speculation, but yeah, yeah it, it's fun to speculate about. And that's a fun question, Mark. Thanks for putting yeah, it out there. Yeah. We could obviously, obviously spend a lot more time on that one. But I like this comment here from David French as far as uh, you and your channel goes, Chris. He says, would like to see an episode about the cards that change the hobby. Example, 52 tops, 81 Fleer, Donruss, 91 upper deck. Yeah, great autos, idea. Wild card Lombardi Hollow, which is the Lombardi Hollow is the pro set card that David's talking about, which is similar to the Stanley Cup hologram, which is uh, you know the first big insert and a card that I love. So uh, I remember the Lombardi hologram, numbered cards, foil cards, 89 upper deck finest. Have you, uh, I, know, I know you've done videos like the top 10 prism cards, uh, that kind of thing. Have you thought about doing a card, uh, an episode or have you already that kind of talks about I did. Well, hobby? yeah, not exactly this, but I did. it was a long time ago, more than a year ago. It was, it was the hobby first. So it was this was the first refractor set. This remember. was the first insert. Uh, insert. I don't know. This was the first autograph card. This was the first jersey card. Uh, there was a few others, but I did. Yeah, I did that. And a couple of the ones you're mentioning were on that list. Uh, well, maybe not. But yeah, the first. Yeah. So I did that. But oh, the first parallel that was from Wild Card, right? Yeah, I yeah. do remember that video. That was a great one. Yeah. Timeless Cardboard says, Chris, what YouTubers do you enjoy watching? Sports Cards Live. Well, by far the best is Sports Card Live. <laughs> uh, no, I watch I watch quite a... I, I, well, I don't have a whole lot of time to watch, but I, I watch um, at Personal Finance Dad with uh, with Dustin, and uh, she collects cards, and, 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 and I watch you when I get a chance. And it, I, I sort of spread around and, and watch a little bit of everybody, but those were those are the three that jumped to my mind first. Awesome. Coach Mickey says, during a time when everyone is an expert, Chris seems to have more knowledge and experience than most and always comes across very humble at the same time. Two of my favorite content creators. I agree wholeheartedly with that, uh, Coach Mickey. I mean, that's what I think. And this is a great segue into what I wanted to ask you, Chris, because, you know, again, I alluded to it earlier at the beginning that, you know, your channel has gone through this meteoric rise. We started around the same time. You started, like, I think, I'm in April 2020. When did you start? Just early March March 2020. March. So Chris has one month more than me, but 10 times the subscribers, maybe 11 times. No, but that's, yeah, but yeah. All right. Well, part of it, I think, is my videos are all two hours long. So it's harder to get people to click, which is, which is fair. (laughs) I completely understand it. But despite that, you, you know, I think this comment is great because it does speak to, just your temperament, the way you deliver information, you're straight and to the point, very humble at all times, which is endearing to the viewer. Uh, what I wanted to ask you, though, is like just, again, this meteoric rise of your channel, 40,000 plus subscribers. I can only think of a, maybe three that have more in, in the space than you do. I'm sure there's more, but that's all that I'm really aware of. Speak to speak to that. How, how do you how do you how do you kind of just sort of reconcile that in your own mind? But also to give you something else to kind of speak to, how do you keep up with all the comments that you get on all your videos? Uh, yeah. So, well, first of all, thank you for that. Um, I, I start, like I said, I started this really as just sort of a filler to be involved in the hobby. It was more of that. It was not a. Uh, this is what I want to do with my life at all. It was like I miss cards. I'm in Europe. Uh, maybe this is something I can do to interact with people a little bit. And then it and then it really didn't grow very fast at first. Um, took I don't know how long I don't know how long it took you to get to you know a thousand subscribers or whatever some of these key um, milestones for the YouTube YouTube algorithm. But 
uh, took, uh, you know, it wasn't growing very fast. And then, and then at some point it just, it just started shooting up and, and I was like, wow, this is cool. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, it was very unexpected. Um, and, and it's, it's sort of like you were saying, it's like 2020, I think was a hard year for a lot of people. For me, it was actually a very good year because I sort of rediscovered this, uh, this, uh, aspect of my life now. And it's very cool in that sense. Um, Sorry, what was your, the second comments. part of your question? All the, all the comments you get, like, you you know, yeah. within a day, you've got 200 comments on all your videos. How do you keep up with that? Yeah, I make a, I make a, a point um, once a day, usually usually after I put my my son to bed to, to just go go through as many comments as I want. I mean, as many comments as I can. Um, I can't I can't answer them all anymore. Like I used to answer every comment uh, or, you know, anyone would, you know, anyone who said, Hey, I love the video. I'd say, Oh, thanks so much. You know, even, even that, I, you know, I can't do that anymore. There's just not enough time, but I read every single one. Um, and I, I try to answer every question. I certainly answer anyone who has a question. And, and if anyone says something really nice or has a really, really smart take on something, I always, uh, you know, heart it or, or, or comment to it. And I actually, this is, like I mentioned before, this is something when I started the channel, again, I'm a very private person. I, I don't have any social media you know, I have a, I have a, I have a, an Instagram and a Twitter. I, I never use them in, on any level, um, and I, I don't. You know, it's not my thing to be connected on social media. And, and when I started the channel, my wife was like, "You know, Chris, you know, if you want to grow your channel, you're really gonna have to interact with people online, and you're, you're not gonna want to do that." And I was like, "Yeah, all right, well, I'll just I'll just do it because you know to try to grow the channel." But but it's it's like been the I thought I was gonna hate it. It's been the complete opposite. I, it's like one of my favorite things, and I I, it, I have no no issues doing that every night. It's like something I look forward to. And my wife like makes you know fun of me of oh you you know don't let your don't let your fans down or whatever you know. <laughs> so yeah, yeah it, it's great. It, it, it's like I said earlier, you know, you can't quit, Chris, because you're, you'd let down way too many people. It's become a routine <laughs> well, for yeah. you know you know your 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 regular episodes. I like the one off stuff. You know, I enjoy that high rollers. You know, I kind of keep on top of what things sell for, so I don't yeah. need to watch it every week. But I certainly. It's it's always nice to just put it on and I can, you know, put cards into into sleeves or whatever I might be doing yeah. with my own with my own collection and have it on the background and just kind of see what's going on and what what you've what you've caught. But I do enjoy the the one off sort of episodes that you'll do here and there, uh, whether it's your conversations with your your old uh, deal deal partner, Jeremy, or, you know, um, w which were excellent or going over your collections. But I want to ask you. Do you have any other ideas? Are, are we, as your audience, going, are we in store for any new types of videos, any any new content that you're looking at doing? Are you are you on the lookout for new ideas? Uh, how do you develop a new idea? Kind of a bunch of questions I just threw at you there, but can you kind of speak to all of that? All of that? Yeah, no, and, and the answer is sort of no. Like uh, at the moment, I'm just sort of going through the motions and the channel continues to sort of grow at, at an okay pace for me. Um, and I, I'm not short of video ideas. Yeah, I have I, my my list of future video ideas is like, you know, there's like 50. <laughs> so okay, good. I'm, good. I'm not running out of content at all. Uh, I, I I think I would like to do more, um, you know, deals that I buy. People seem to really like that when I go to a show and I uh, buy. You know, what, what did I buy at the show? And, and just go through that. I think people people really seem to enjoy that. And I'd like to expand on that and do do something more creative with it. Because right now I just sort of showing the cards and talking about them. 
not sure what yeah. it would be, but yeah. No, it's, yeah. I, I'm glad to hear you have a list of 50 because that just tells <laughs> me that you're not slowing down and you'll, you know, that's, that's your pipeline, right? So you'll, yeah. you'll keep that list. And as you, as you go through it, you know, you, you will come up with more ideas and you'll be able to, uh, to keep that list nice and deep as, as, as the, the weeks and months go by, hopefully the years as well. Yeah. So, you know, we're at, a, we're almost an hour 40. We're going to go for about two hours. Chris, we'll go for about 20 more minutes. Sure. I'm, you know, we're, we're way behind in the comments, close to 40 minutes. So um, I'm going to, just for everyone who's in the chat again, thank you for all the comments, all the great questions. Uh, you're really helping keep this episode moving at a nice pace. But I did just scroll past a whole bunch without looking at them just to try and catch up. So if I missed your comment, uh, just we just don't have time for them all. So we'll have Chris back in due course. And I invite anyone to come back at that time and uh, and ask your question again then, definitely. But in the meantime, let's uh, let's get to a couple more. First, I want to say hi to my friend Dave Kaplan. Benny Cromwell says another great show. We'll check out Chris's YouTube shows. I have I had a hard to believe this. I'm going to subscribe to Sports Cards Live and, and not your channel, Chris. <laughs> so there you go. We I can do I can return the favor and send a new subscriber your way, as I'm sure you've sent a few my way. Yeah, appreciate that, Benny. Um, okay, uh, let's see. Ben says the gap between PSA and the other grading companies will grow even more. Can see that happening. ASMR says yes. SGC rules pre-war from 2005 to 2010. So thank you for corroborating. What I was saying earlier, ASMR. Interesting, interesting, yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, Triple V says, great show. Vintage is always on my radar. F1 has been high as of late, but still hopeful for deals. I mean, I passed on some F1 uh, unopened boxes two months ago at like a quarter of what they're selling for now. But hey, that's that's the way things go. Yeah. Jim says, any thoughts about collecting sports tickets and, and ticket stubs? How about for you, Chris? Any interest in that uh, corner of the hobby? No, yeah, I mean, those are cool, and but that's not, not my thing. I'm, I'm, I'm strictly a cards guy. I, I do almost nothing with memorabilia. Or, I don't know why. <laughs> no, you know what? I, I mean, it's still... If someone you say that, yeah. I smile. I'm smiling inside, Chris, because I'm the exact same way. People, how about this one? I'm sure you've heard this. Why would you spend a thousand dollars on the on 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 a piece of memorabilia that big when you can buy the whole jersey for a thousand dollars? And my answer is, I don't collect jerseys. I collect cards, so I I'd rather. Uh, I don't want the whole jersey. You know, I've got room for I've got room for for a couple of them. It's always hard to point here. There yeah. they are. That's all I've got room for. I collect yeah. cards. So same thing with me, Chris. Ticket stubs, I agree with you. Very cool. They commemorate a moment in time or or an evening in time, an afternoon. But I just it's just like NFTs. I don't collect them. I don't collect ticket stubs. I have ones that I went to from games, mm -hmm. but I'm not out there looking for the bat. Now, I do follow one very cool Instagram account. He collects ticket stubs, and they're all from, from very important events. I enjoy following that account because it's educational, and I find the tickets to be cool. But I'm happy to enjoy it through their activity versus my own. Yeah, yeah. I, when I first got back into dealing like 10 years ago, I didn't think, I wasn't sure if I would be able to make enough money in just sports cards to make a living. So I was, I was trying to expand into other things and I was trying to learn coins and memorabilia. And I quickly just learned that that's, it's not my thing. Uh, cards is, it's, I don't, I don't even know why it's a little, little piece of paper with a picture of some guy I don't know on it, but 
Um, it's nostalgia, <laughs> Chris. You know why? I think I know why. And I've, I've like self-analyzed, why do I collect these things? So why do I love these things so much? All they yeah. are is what you said, yeah. eight and a quarter square inches of cardboard most of the time with a picture of some dude. Yeah, who, some dude. Some dude <laughs> who I don't know. You know? <laughs> we'll never know. We'll never, we'll never know. meet. <laughs> I think part of it is there's a collector gene. There's this, there's this human impulse to acquire things and to hoard to a degree. Yeah. And it's nostalgic, right? It really takes us back to when we were kids and we used to trade these at recess. We used to want to complete our base sets of however many cards they were. Yeah. depends on the sport and the brand, of course. And for me, and I've gone really introspective on this in the past to the point where, you know, I grew up with a lot of kids that had a lot more money than, than my family did. And every weekend I would take my $2 allowance and I would go buy eight packs of cards if I didn't spend some money on candy or going to the movies. Yeah. Whereas yeah. other kids that I grew up with that went to my school, they would get a whole box of cards. They get all 36 or 48 packs. And I was very envious of that. I wanted yeah, yeah. to be able to get a whole box and it just wasn't within our means. I was, I was limited to, you know, one to eight packs. And if I wanted right. to find that last card for my set, I had to get very lucky. I couldn't just go get a whole box and be guaranteed to get it. And I, I've kind of wondered, and this is really personal, but I've kind of wondered along the way, am I still striving to get that box of cards that I couldn't afford in 1983 or 1985? You know, am I still chasing that? And, you know, yeah. it's kind of awkward to say that out loud, but maybe that's part of my nostalgia maybe it's part of it's obviously part of my story and my life experience and partly but is that what drives me now to keep on wanting to have great cards and i don't know i it you know i just thought of this because you said i don't know why so that's i've tried to understand it for myself with me saying all that does that does that maybe open up any thoughts for you well for sure the connection to your childhood is a big part of it for me nostalgia is a big part it's like a combination of a lot of maybe that's what it is it's just like there's no there's nothing you can get all these things in one item like a nostalgia connection to your childhood uh a piece of art you know they're like pieces of art in a way now and it's an investment it's like all these things are in one like what else is a, a, a connection to your childhood nostalgic a piece of art and an investment all in one thing i agree and it's it's uh, the other thing is that I can I find that in life you know whether you're disenchanted with some aspect of your life whatever that might be career relationships uh, family anything we we being us collectors you me and everyone who's watching right now we can always come back to our cards I think some way they're in a way they can always ground yeah. us you know if it's if it's a true if you're a true collector a true hobbyist you're not just in it for the money sort of thing you can always. You can always count on your cards and you can always count, at least I know I can, on your card friends, which is, uh, you know, it's more so than just the cards themselves. Now it's the community. It's, yeah. it's, it's the people, the relationships that we've built by virtue of going to card shows, by virtue of having sports card YouTube channels, by virtue of Instagram, Facebook groups, local card shops, trader nights, all these things are the hobby. And we can, so you know, that's so true. Yeah, you can always count on it. Do you feel the same way? One hundred percent. And and um and uh yeah, it, it's really well said what you just said. 
And um, sort of piggybacking on that to something we talked about earlier, like when sometimes people say, you know, are we in a, a junk, you know, junk wax era part two? And certainly there's similarities, but I would say the big difference is what you just said, the, the social media, the online community, like there's so much connection now. Uh, you know, when I, when I, you know, in 1990, I had like, you know, five, you know, card friends and, and that was sort of it. And, and you, I could go to my one local store and there was no, if I bought a pack of cards, there was nobody to show it to, or, you know, I had to wait till the weekend to trade with or whatever. Today you can post all over places, huge communities. Like you said, I know, I know, you know, hundreds of people now. And I think that, I think that's going to help keep the, the hobby strong for a, a long time. Yeah. I agree, man. I a hundred percent that's going to help keep the hobby strong. Instagram does a great job of yeah. that. It provides that platform for relationships to develop and people to, to share their collections. It's a positive environment. I find for the most part, unlike yeah. some environments that, that, you know, that, that we can, we can be a part of. And so I think that that, you know, social media really has been an enabler for the hobby to grow and flourish, I believe. Yeah. So, and I, you know, social media isn't going anywhere. So. Well, and, and, and another thing, something, when I started the channel, I was expecting a lot of negative negativity in comments. I just thought that was, you know, that was just something that happens in social media. You just get mean, you know, people being mean and people, saying I mean that just essentially never happens on my it was just or it, it does happen you'll get the occasional jerk comment but the it's like 99 percent positive you know when someone asks a question a bunch of people jump in to help with the answer it's like it's really cool yeah 100 percent uh definitely that yeah. the one thing i'll say is you know you and there's a comment right here from uh Trevor Gates says Chris is always kind, polite, humble. Can we get him Canadian citizenship? <laughs> Which is very stereotypical That's of funny. Canadians. But yeah. um, you know, you also I, I would be very surprised to read a negative comment on one of your videos, and it's simply because of just your personality. You are humble, you are you're you're out there to educate, you do entertain again. It's it's kind of that you're you're almost like the dry humor guy in a way, which I love. It's I do I, love dry humor, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that that's uh, I would be surprised to see a negative comment on one of your videos, unless someone just vehemently disagrees with something you've said, but or it's it's a, a comment, a negative comment on a different comment or something like that. But yeah. let's go on here. Um ASMR says, so you both have been in the hobby for years. Do you have opinions on card investor? Oh, I think he's talking about sports card investor being Jeff Wilson or Neo being Northeast Ohio sports cards. To me, it's interesting. Old school collectors versus sports card traders. So do you have opinions on them? <clears throat> I mean, uh, do you want to go first? Uh, you, you take, you, you go first. Sure. <laughs> I'm, I've, my take is, um, and I've met both these, both of them in person um, and I had very positive experiences with both Jeff Wilson of Sports Card Investor. Met him in person at the Sport Card Expo two weeks ago, and he was he was at that show doing only good things. He was spreading the hobby. He was involved heavily with kids. I actually guest judged a kids kind of pack war event uh, with Jeff, and um, I was impressed by just you know, how he was really growing the hobby amongst the young people at the show. I thought it was great. Um, as for Neo, met Neo at the National, great guy. Um, you know, 
his content is very popular. Uh, check it out. And I think it's just NEO sports cards or Northeast. If you type in Northeast Ohio sports cards, you will find it. And um, he's another one of these guys that just, you know, his style is very engaging. I find it's, it's, uh, it's, he's easy to listen to. I know a lot of people love his stuff and I have, I welcome everybody into the hobby, except for people who are scamming. If you're scamming, I don't want you in the hobby. If you're doing fraudulent things, please leave. But but I welcome everyone to the hobby. I think it's a great place. Um, and there's especially young young people. I think it's a great it's a the hobby is great for youngsters to develop self confidence, self esteem, and the through the uh, through dealing with adults. You know, you you have a, a kid. At a car, and Chris, I'm sure you've experienced this. You're at a card show, you're dealing with someone who might be 15 years old or younger, and there, or, or you see them, you see these kids dealing with, you know, adults in the hobby who are behind the desk, and they are negotiating, they are standing up for themselves, they are saying, well, they're 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 just entering into a discussion. It's, it's, yeah, about, it's funny about, to see. Yeah, yeah. Cool, yeah. I yeah. I think it's I think the hobby provides a great arena for growth. I, I think is what what is how I would put that. Uh, any any comments on that, Chris? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, sports card investor that that's the, the the cream of the crop in the the YouTube you know sports card space. I think when when I first, I think they even were. I think he even was when I first you know started my channel. I think he was by far number one, and in, in terms of viewership, he's he's a distant number one. And it's very it's I mean it's it's impressive as as someone who makes YouTube content that that's like the gold standard right just in terms of he's the he's the psa of, of YouTube. he's the psa uh, right he's that PSA. far ahead yeah. of everybody <laughs> yeah and um i don't i don't know either of them personally on any level so i can't really speak to that but like with you you know i tend to i tend to i tend to have a very optimistic view of everyone in the hobby unless they're doing something notably like scamming or they're really you know bringing in a lot of negativity and I don't see that with those guys. So I, I would say they're both great. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're bringing more and more people in through YouTube because, you know, yeah. especially sports card investor, his videos are going to be trending and that sort of thing. So there's more and more people that are going to see and, you know, his, his content, you know, no one's content is for everybody, right. but, but, you know, it's a it's a it's a way in and then people will discover other content that speaks to them and that they resonate that resonates with them and uh and hopefully just stay in the hobby you know that's really what it comes down to for me is growing this thing because i think it's just a great hobby and i want as many people to enjoy it as possible yeah for sure okay uh d con says do you think your film background plays a role in your youtube videos and p.s i'm an og follower from summer of 2020 so he therefore knows about your film background yeah, so, nice. yeah what do you what do you think about that chris uh yeah i think it probably does a little bit i'm um i don't know just in terms of like editing i think i think i do a lot more editing than most channels uh and i, I did a, a lot of a lot of editing was from i learned a lot of editing from uh from my film background. Um, and then, and then it, the stories that, you know, I, when I tell a story about a, a purchase, I script that all out. And I, I did a lot of script writing as part of my filmmaking background. So I, I assume that, that that's helped me. And yeah. Good, good. I mean, I asked you that same question the other day when we were chatting. So uh, great question, Decon. And uh, yeah. 
I, I think it's one of those things where you don't even realize it's helping you, Chris. Yeah, yeah, I think, it, right? I think so too. Yeah. And, and I can tell you, man, like, because I have no interest in doing um, the traditional type of YouTube video where, you know, I only do lives. So yeah. editing and spending hours editing, I don't <laughs> want to have to learn editing software. And I no, know yeah. Ryan Nolan <laughs> from Breakout Card spends a lot of time, a ton of time, and he his, his work speaks for itself, but so much time editing his videos. Yeah. He puts out a great product. I, I mean, I only have, there's only so much time, you know, I can't spend 10 hours editing a video <laughs> with everything else I have going on in life. So um, right. you don't even realize how much it helps you is what I mean. Uh, pr probably. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What's up modern crime and cards. Great to see you. Max says, uh, will you ever sell regular rollers t-shirts, which I think is a great idea. Have you ever thought about merch? Yeah. So a, a number of people ask for merch, like, you know, blazer division or regular rollers. And I looked into it. it, it I didn't, you sell it. Like it, I didn't like the way it was set up. I'm, maybe there's a good way to do it, but like the companies I was looking at to design t-shirts, it was like, you know, they would sell a t-shirt for $25 and, and I would get like $4 of it. And it just didn't, it didn't feel like something worthwhile, worthwhile doing. So if anyone out there is in the merch business, yeah. Chris can sell a lot of merch. So uh, reach out to him and set yeah. this guy up because I'll buy I'll buy a regular roller shirt and a high roller shirt. And Blazer Division. A Blazer Division and a sports card collector, investor, dealer. I, all it needs to say is in that order. If you were to walk into a card show with a shirt that said in that order, that's all that's it all said. It. How many people would know who what, what you were talking about? I bet that's a good. lot of that's people would know. Yeah. That's what I want on a shirt, Chris. In that order. In Those that three order. words. Okay. I love yeah. it. I love it. Uh, Jeremy Allen says, are you going to the Dallas show in January? Uh, no, no, don't have plans for that. Um, I'm going to Philadelphia. And then the next one I think I'm scheduled to go to is Chantel. I might go to Vegas. Uh, you were going to ask me that, I know, at some point. I might do Vegas if I can uh, combine it with the Super Bowl. Like, I love watching the Super Bowl at the, at the Vegas Sportsbook. And I have, I have friends who would meet me there for that. So I might might try to do that. I think they're a week apart from each other. So It is. Yeah. The Mint Collective. I'll throw it up again on the ticker you, here. You, it, by, in, by the way, do you know do you know how many tables they, they plan to have there? I don't know. Um, I, I did see the floor plan of for this for the show portion of the event. Yeah. Again, it's a three-day event with a show, I believe, one or two of the days. But there are other sort of uh, events throughout the weekend. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many how many tables there are going to be. But for anybody who's watching, I will be there. Chris, is, it is the weekend before the Super Bowl. It's in Vegas, January 28th to 30th. You can go to themintcollective.com to learn more. Uh, Dana White will be speaking at this event. Josh Luber will be speaking at the event. Ken Golden will be speaking at the event, among many others. There's a, They're partnered up with Leland's to hold a special auction called the Mint 25. That's going to be exciting on the Friday night. So, you know, sort of the first time where I think many people, myself included, will be at will be in person at a sports card auction. Never mind internet bidding, right? Like the way it used to be. So oh, yeah. Oh, interesting. That'll be fun. As yeah. far as Dallas goes, I was talking to a local friend of mine uh, yesterday, actually, about going to the show in March. I haven't told my wife yet, so that I would like to do that. But uh, the Dallas show in March is one that I would like to to get to uh, well, myself. The Dallas show has become sort of the biggest recurring one, right? I mean, yeah. So I'd like to get there at some point, but yeah, don't have the don't have plans to go in January. Okay, well maybe we can see each other there in March. That would be pretty cool. There you go. Work out. Yeah. I want to say hello to Brody the Kid, everybody. Brody, if you're still there, great to see you. Brody will be sitting in Chris's seat a week from today. He will be 
our guest on Sports Cards Live. Oh, cool. Next Saturday, Brody, if you don't know, is an amazing hobby ambassador. I'm going to throw up upcoming episodes right now on the ticker. He's a young hobby ambassador, about 15 years old, I think Brody is now. He's, nice. uh, you know, I, I do, I co-host or I'm one of the a collection of hosts on Hobby Hotline, which is another YouTube channel. And Brody's a fellow co-host uh, of mine on there. So he will be with me on this show next Saturday. We want to say hello to Teapot. I believe that might be maybe the Teapot who uh, works uh, with Sports Card Investor. If it is, uh, hello. If not, um, well, hello to the other Teapot. <clears throat> I'd be pretty. I'd be kind of shocked if there were two people in the hobby that went by Teapot. I'd be annoyed if I was Teapot and then somebody else showed up and said they were Teapot too. It's funny, Chris. In in my <laughs> chat during episodes, you know whether you know we Ken Golden, for example, will show up in the chat, and I don't know if it's him for sure. Jeff Wilson from Sports Card Investor uh, has Ken showed Golden up in the chat, but it's yeah. it's it's people impersonating them. So uh -huh, I'll uh -huh. actually say to okay, Ken, if that's really you direct message me on Instagram and let me know it's you. And then I get a direct message from Ken saying, it's really me. I say, okay, oh, cool, cool. Yeah. Now we know it's actually you. Cause that happens. That happens in the hobby. If you're, if so to anyone out there who does live streams, if you have a chat and you think you have somebody in the hobby of some, some notoriety, uh, just be warned that there, they might be people that are kind of pretending. So it's good to figure out how to, how to get around that for sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, you know, we're going to, we're going to wrap up pretty quick here, Chris. Um, but let's get your, uh, some prediction from you 2020. And I know you and I, we do not time the market. We've established that during this episode, but we can still have some fun. Yeah. And I think back to the end of 2020 when we were, you know, the hobby was on an upswing. It was, we didn't know what was going to happen from Jan from in Q1 of 2021, wow. which was like yeah. this meteoric rise of the hobby. Wow. Uh, but any predictions from you as to what we can expect in 2022 as far as the hobby goes? Uh, uh, well, I would, you know, just in terms of like card values going up and down type of thing. Anything. Yeah. Card values going up and down. Any maybe consolidation at the sort of, uh, you know, at, at the company level, the infrastructure level, um, any, anything that you see coming in the hobby and to the chat too. Any predictions from the chat? Um, well, I, I think that I well, I, so I think the the card market will sort of stabilize. I, I think you had said you you think it will continue to be crazy. I think it will sort of stabilize, um, as I think we're we've kind of we're coming out of the the craziness. Um, I think that ultra modern will fall, uh, will continue to go down. There's just uh, too much of it and too much too many PSA tens of base cards. Ultra modern base cards uh, will, will will continue to fall. Zion Williams Prism, this sort of thing. Um, I think the other the other uh, other parts will be fine. They'll sort of stabilize. Vintage will continue its stable slow upward trend. Get sort of back to that is what I would is what I would predict. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fair. Start with that. I really agree on the base card uh, idea that, you know, it's going to become less and less important. I think what I've noticed happening, you know, Q1 of 2021 was, was a crazy quarter in our hobby. When you look back, it's it, it, the craziest take, ever. Yeah. Yeah. If you take Q1 out of the history books, the hobby has been growing at a steady pace really for, for several years. If you, put Q1 in, you look at any of the charts, you see that it, the hobby has come down. It looks like yeah, it's come it, down. Right. It, it, it throws you off if you look in the short term. Yeah. 
Yeah, but if you zoom out and you take out the, the Q1 of 2021 spike, the hobby is doing just fine. I what I what I, and one of the reasons why I think the hobby is stabilized, and I do believe it's it has stabilized since you know April May, is because people who newer entrants are just getting smarter. They're realizing that rarity is very important. Yeah, it's probably the most important thing in the hobby. Rarity and you know aside from the player depicted, rarity is extremely important. And and, and just overall eye appeal and aesthetics are very important. So. Um, I, I think that the hobbies, the hobby in general has gotten smarter and I think it's going to continue to get smarter. And with that, I think we should see continued stabilization, but we're always going to have ups and downs, no matter what happens, we're always going to have ups and downs. And there, there can always be two people that go crazy on bidding on an auction because they, you know, for various reasons, either they want that card that night, money is of no object. Maybe they've had a few drinks, whatever it might be. And they're and they're going to set a new comp, and then the hobby's going to respond and think it's not real or think that it's crazy or how is this happening? And and then everything the fallout from that can can easily happen. So, yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I think that's my prediction. The hobby's going to continue to get smarter. Uh, and with all that said, I think that the next five years uh, until fanatics licenses do take do take uh, do come into effect. We're going to be in for a ride that way as well. And and guys like us, Chris, who create content, we have to be thankful because it's going to give us yeah, it's going to give us the right to now. sell. <laughs> right? Thank you. Thank you, Fanatics, for doing that because now we have we and every other content creator and just hobbyists in general has that much more kind of just subject matter to watch and to and to see how it transpires. It's going to be very, very interesting. So. Well, let me make one more uh, prediction that's sort of off, uh, slightly off. I think that um, I think buy when you're bu buying online, eBay will decline. Uh, like other, I think the uh, some of the, uh, the the COMCs and the the PWCCs and the Star Stocks and the MySlabs. I think these are going to start becoming much better buying experiences for for people to buy cards online than eBay. And I think we're going to start seeing that taking over the hobby. Maybe not in 2022, or yeah, but it's gonna it's gonna start becoming a bigger thing. Like today, if you say I, my high rollers is all about eBay sales because that's where the the sales are, but in in three years, I don't think if I did a high rollers, I don't think it would just it would make sense to do eBay sales because I think we'll see bigger sales on other platforms. Agree wholeheartedly. I've noticed my eBay activity has come down uh, by a large margin over the past few months. Yeah. And, um, you know, you know, it's funny, uh, Chris, uh, Chris HOJ, who is one of the founders of Card Ladder, who does say, Chris, if you have an interest in getting involved with the Mint Collective, let let him know and we'll get him in touch with Christina, who is his partner, uh, fiance, and um, is one of the uh, is, you know, they are involved with the Mint Collective, as am myself. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, Please. any of us can really get you in touch with them if you want to come and uh, and there's panels, maybe even get you on a panel there. Uh, for no, one of their masterclass sessions, I believe, or signature <laughs> sessions, they're calling yeah. it now. So, yeah, which would always be, uh, which would be fun and great to have you as a part of it, if not just as an attendee, even or a vendor at, yeah. at the show, at the show part. But um, Chris, Chris has been known to say that this sort of decentralization of 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 the marketplace, which is really, you know, people there being so many more platforms than just eBay now, is 
you know, it makes it tougher to track the hobby. There's so many more sources of data that that the the data analytic tools need to 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 source their data from. Sure. And it also, you know, there was a big card that recently sold that are not from an auction house. I don't even remember what it's called. The card sold for a respectful amount of money. It was an exquisite Wayne Gretzky rookie patch auto from 2009, a flashback card that looked like the LeBron James. But uh-huh. I didn't even know this thing was for sale until the day it was ending because it was at some obscure auction house that whose yeah. name I don't even know right now. I can't even tell you what it is. So the more platforms there are, the fewer people know about them all, the fewer bids they're going to get. Does that hurt the comps and therefore hurt the values of the hobby? It's an interesting discussion. That is an interesting question. And uh, yeah, it could be. I, I think. I think. I think it'll be a great thing, though. It, it, big, big, big picture. Maybe if there's too many of them, yeah. But it would be great if there were like four eBay's, you know. And, and I'm, I'm not so much talking about auction houses. I'm talking about like a marketplace where you can list your card. For me, COMC was the game changer for me because it's just such a better buying experience than eBay. Like you're just not dealing, you know. And 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 now we're seeing, you know, uh, Starstock and. Uh, PWCC and that you know my slab. I think my slabs is uh, still you still have to deal with the the individual seller, but it's just such a better buying experience that I think that's going to take over. I would love to see just like four or five of those existing successfully. Yeah, and and then I think you still need the the auction house to sell the big of course, cards. Of course, or, of yeah, course. The yeah, yeah, yeah I would, I, the auction house is to me something separate. Um, yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, let's go to this one. Nate Sprinkle says, I'd love to hear your thoughts on breakers and how that's changed the hobby. Huge fan of both your channels. Thank you, Nate. Uh, breakers, Chris. And are you okay to go for a few more minutes? We are over time here. What's oh, your... I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. You're good? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, break, so breakers is not my thing at all, um, but no issue. You know, I got no, no issues with them. I think they brought a lot of people into the hobby. It's definitely exciting. And a lot of people that's what's brought them in. So in, in that sense, I think it's, it's, a, um, a, a, like I said, and anything, anything that brings people into the hobby or provides something else for people in the hobby to do great. Uh, not, not my thing at all. I, I don't participate in breaks in any way. We're so we're, we're very similar, Chris. I don't <laughs> participate in breaks either, but yeah. I agree that I've had a lot of people tell me over the past year that, that they got involved in the hobby by finding a breaker wherever they found them. And that's how they got involved. And then they've kind of, you know, evolved their hobby activity yeah, and approach. Yeah. Not that there's anything yeah. wrong with breakers, but, you know, it is a, there is a, a, an essence of gambling or an aspect of gamble to breaking. You don't know what you're going to get. Whereas if you just go on an eBay or an auction house and buy a card, you know exactly what you're going to get. So I think that I'm thankful for breakers because they release so many cards to people who don't want those cards, who then go to sell those cards and people like me can buy those cards. You know? <laughs> it's a funny way to look at it. It's, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, because people who participate in breaks want to, they need to participate in the next break. And to do that, they sometimes need to raise money. So they have to get it from the cards that they got in the first break. It's funny. It's funny. I mean, I told this story earlier, like when I worked at the card store, so it was 20 years ago now, but it's basically the, the, the parallel of, of what you're saying. People would come in, they'd buy a box of cards, they'd open the whole thing, they'd trade every card they got back to the store for another pack, they'd open that pack and get nothing. And then they'd, they'd leave. And as, a, as someone who worked at the store, you're like, this person just came in and gave me $100 and $50 worth of cards. I mean, it's like the, the easiest, there's just like a pure, 
you know, the winner is the store. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Especially when, when you buy back those cards for a fraction of the price uh, as a store owner, for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's, let's uh, go on. Thank you, Nate. And I uh, appreciate you uh, watching the channel. Uh, Al, I just want to bring this comment, really nice comment from Al says, uh, following both of you since the beginning of the year and very much enjoy the shows. Al, great to have you, uh, as a viewer. Yeah. Same, same for you, Chris, I'm sure. Of course. Uh, I like this in that order says Ron and Troy says (laughs) I would definitely buy the shirt in that order. (laughs) Okay. We should partner on it, Chris. We should partner on it. Too funny, too funny. Okay, I'm going to scroll down through the rest of the comments here, guys, and we'll wrap up. We're we're 10 minutes over. I like to try to keep it to two hours. It's tough to get people to click on these videos in syndication when they go really over about 20 minutes, never mind over two hours, but uh, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll see. Uh, Jordan Riker says, hello. I feel like I've seen you already, Jordan. Um, Teapot again. Brody says, I'm only 13. Brody's not oh, even man. 15 you, years old. You, you He's that 13 one. years old. Wow. And I just wanted to say to, about Brody, you know, Brody Brody became um, kind of a well-known entity in the hobby after he went to the Tops booth at a national, probably when he was like eight years old, and said, what do I have to do to get a job at Tops?" And Tops said, okay, well, here's here's what you do. And Brody took it to heart and like acted on it. A very industrious nice. young man. He's got a channel. Yeah. Next generation got- ambassador of the hobby. He's an ambassador. He's got a show called The Hobby Life. He he's he was actually the, the the kid ambassador at the national. So the national partnered with him and called him the kid ambassador. So it's a great thing. And he's only 13 years old. I had dinner with him at the national. And cool. uh, just a fine young man. And yeah. anyway, happy to looking forward to having you on the show next week, Brody. So everyone who's watching, please come meet meet the young man Brody, a true representation of the future of the hobby. Teapot cool. says Brody is great right there. Teapot says it is him. Good to know, Teapot. <laughs> great to see you. Uh, Jeremy Allen says, what services or products are missing from the hobby? Anyone looking to share a business idea? That's a great uh, question. The, the pop report, a universal pop report. Universal. Oh, yeah. Gemrate. Let's talk about Gemrate for a second. Gemrate really, um, and I met the, the individual behind Gemrate at the National, yeah. Gemrate is a website that really tracks the the rate at which cards are graded by PSA and BGS and Beckett yeah. Grading Services. Um, and I did want to talk about Gemrate. You'd recently put out a video uh, that talked that used some of their data, but let's just talk about Gemrate in general for a moment, Chris. How valuable is that website and that service, and to what extent are you finding yourself using it? So I just discovered it. Um a few days before I put out that video, which was just a, a week ago now or so, uh, that is awesome data. That is really awesome data. Uh, I, I imagine they can expand on it. There's not, I didn't search, I didn't play around with the website that much. I feel like they're, I feel like the, the website's in its infancy stages. So the, the data that there is already really great, but I feel like they, there's, there's more that they can add though. And I'm sure they will. That'll be, that'll be even more great, great, great data for the hobby. Yeah, great data. What I find really interesting is to see the rate at which a specific card gets submitted and how, yeah. you know and you know like how many PSA 10 Mike Trout tops updates were there a year ago and how many are right. there now and 2 years ago and 3 years ago and 4 years ago and what kind of a hockey stick curve are we seeing? Obviously most cards are experiencing that hockey stick curve just based on we all know how backed up the grading companies are and have been for quite some time now. So, but it's a great site. 
Um, check it out if you haven't, guys. So we, yeah. we called out for some predictions. Uh, Jordan Riker predicted the Mavs will win the 2022 NBA Finals. Not necessarily a hobby prediction, but it does impact the hobby. That is for sure. Thank you. Oh, for wait, that. you know what? Let me let me go back a question because uh, I thought of something else. So the what what service is missing in the hobby? So the Universal Pop Report, but uh, in um, I think it's in in it's either in Magic or in Pokemon. There's an app where you just scan the card, and then it instantly tells you all the data of the card, including like uh, that that needs to exist. Well, like uh, you just you just, it, you just use your your camera on your phone and you press click and it takes it and it says, oh, this is a nineteen you know forty five gaudy or whatever is it you know well and i can it tell you, you that it tells you recent sales it tells you it, it's a, it's incredible that app is out there it is it is what is it it's called center stage center stage center uh, how, stage. how is this not how do i not know this i just found out about it like last week uh they oh, reached wow. out and yeah. um yeah i downloaded it on my on my phone it's uh it's this one above my finger right there center oh, stage cool. right there and uh have you, have you tried it how like how does it, does it work all right i have i have there it's in its infancy it's going yeah. to get better over time and yeah. get more data but um yeah it's not 100 percent yet but you know I, I believe they're in beta sort of thing so sure give it time it's it it's coming it works to a degree i would say i haven't tried it a ton but i've put a couple cards up against it and uh and uh but it's exactly what you said you just you basically just aim it at the card at the card and yeah. it knows what the card is no in, in in the in the poke in the i think it's magic but in, in the, the magic one it's just amazing you just click and it says oh it instantly tells you what it is it tells you the range of sales and it's like for someone who doesn't know anything about magic and i happen to just have a box of magic cards from a collection i bought what do i do with these do i throw them away do i sell them are they worth anything we'll just go click 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 and see see which ones are worth something yeah some yeah some just give away to kids some might just go yeah. in the fire and the rest you can keep and do something with right 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 yeah yeah gizmo said i think graded cards will jump drastically in the next year given the prices of grading they will have to come at an ultra premium to raw cards no matter what the card is i was thinking that same thing earlier that just because grading is more expensive that cards already in slabs should be more expensive i don't know that that's necessarily happening but it kind of seems logical, although the market isn't always large, logical, as Warren Buffett calls it. Mr. Market wakes up in a different mood every day. You just never really know. That's a, yeah. You you and I are very. That's exactly what I would have answered. Like I would have I would have sort of guessed we would have already started seeing that, but we sort of haven't. So I, I don't know why. Like yeah. like for example, like a 1960 tops common in a PSA seven. That's like a ten dollar card. Those really haven't gone up, but it seems like they should have given that grade. You can't grade that card anymore. It's a, it's not not feasible. No, not not right now. Not right now. That's for yeah. sure. Uh, or at least not with PSA or BGS. Right. Um, Rock Latex says this show had the parents meeting the in laws type feel. Two worlds colliding. <laughs> the two channels I follow the most having a conversation. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Rock Latex. Thank you for being a loyal viewer. Really appreciate that. Joe, my buddy Joe from Santa Cruz says, thanks for the great show, guys. Always learning and really appreciate the old school perspectives. Return to vintage, continued, and scarce 90s inserts. Yes. There you go. We love them. Thank you, Troy. Appreciate that. Says, great show. Thanks to both of us, Chris. Uh, 
what is this? What do you got? What do you think of the lame duck session of sports cards? I don't know what that means. What that's referring to? Do you? Uh, no, I'm not sure what what that's referring to. Okay, sorry, sorry, ASMR. Not exactly sure what you're what you're getting at there. Jeremy Allen says Com C needs a fresh to you needs a refreshing to user experience and user interface. Yeah, it's been, it's been pretty much the same for quite some time. Um, and I think a lot of people would argue that they, you know, that there's other things for them to focus resources on at this time. But you got to think something is coming soon enough. Tim is not somebody to rest on his laurels and is always trying to, he's a continual improvement sort of person. Tim Getch being the, the CEO of, or the president of, um, and the founder of ComC. Yeah. I assume they'll have an app at some point. There's no app yet. No app yet, but I've asked him a few times. He's been on the show a couple of times and I've asked oh. him about an app. Yeah. And uh, it's one of those things that's on, you know, it just, where does it fall in priorities? So yeah, yeah. Andrew Mark says ComC is working on a new user interface. So that's something. Uh, Andrew also says the market will drag on for another six months due to PSA backlog. Hopefully more sellers than buyers. eBay market will, eBay market share will keep dropping. 1099 tax reporting change will increase trade show sales. Yeah, because yeah. there's just more cash and cash is easier to hide than there's no real paper trail on cash. So yeah, definitely. Uh, Dave Kaplan says that Josh Luber mentioned the decline of eBay and his uh, treatise, his white paper, his uh, his his message to the hobby that came out a few weeks ago. Terry so that card went for 45K plus. It went, it was more than that. It was like 54 with, uh, with buyers, buyers premium, Terry on that Gretzky card that sold at that very obscure uh, auction house. And I, well, I say obscure, just I'd never heard of it. And yeah. I still can't name, I, I'm sorry to them that I can't, but I, I wish I could uh, share the name of that auction company and give them a, a shout out. Uh, just trying to get to the bottom of the comments here before we sign off. Joe Perot says, I want to thank Chris for helping me acquire some of my all-time favorite cards from the oh, famously awesome, awesome Sewell Auctions oh, nice. on eBay <laughs> back in the day. All class and a truly advanced hobby mind. I had asked Chris, I want to just mention this to everybody watching. I had asked Chris the other day, what can I put on the ticker for him? So I did put on, you know, here it is. Chris on YouTube, as you all know by now, baseball card collector, investor, dealer. And from there, you can find his eBay store and any other any other sort of Chris resource that you want. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff there. My eBay store, my, my COMC page. Yeah. But I, yeah, I used to have, I used to have a huge eBay store. It's not very big at the moment because I'm shipping from here. Uh, but yeah, but cool to hear from Joe that he, he bought a bunch of stuff from me back in the day. Yeah. He mentioned it to me the other day. Uh, the other yeah. day. Very cool. Very cool. Jem Min says the day eBay pedals its last card transaction would be a great day. It's not happening anytime soon. But, uh, okay. but funny comment. Uh, Jeremy M, uh, thank you and you're welcome. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Terry Fortune says, when are we getting the expo recap? Any great sales or pickout? It's going to come. I promise it's going to come, Terry. I just don't know when yet, but uh, it'll be too Give late. Give us a tease, man. Give us a tease. What'd you get? Oh, man. I mean, I literally have a stack of cards sitting yeah. right here beside me. Um, maybe I can show a couple. I'll show you guys a couple of quick cards here. How's that? Just a couple because I don't want to spend too much time. I know people do like to see cards. I picked up. Uh, here's the Stanley Cup hologram I was talking about earlier. I yeah, picked this yeah, one up. PS PSA 6. This is numbered out of 5,000 on the cool. bottom. This was pulled from a box of Pro Set. I picked up a, a short print sign of the Times Alexander Ovechkin autograph. Nice. Here's a nice, this is from Chronology, a Sidney Crosby autograph. This card is numbered on the back to five with a really nice, bold, on-card gold autograph. 
Is that that's a that's a pack inserted auto? It is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. It is. It is. Uh, beautiful Wayne Gretzky autograph on card from SP Authentic 2018. This card is numbered out of six. I, yeah, this card is numbered out of six. So a truly rare Gretzky autograph. Always nice when he's in an Oilers uniform. So you got you got Gretzky, Crosby, Ovechkin. You're really going with the uh, the big boys here. Going with the big boys. I I it was you know it was most I was I'm a hockey guy. I, I collect other stuff, but I was on the hockey rampage there. Here's yeah. a beautiful Gretzky autograph from Chronology. This wow. is numbered out of nine with a diamond. It's a diamond relic. Are these are these PC cards or these uh you know these these be determined. cards are not PC cards. These are not PC. The Stanley Cup hologram. I have a couple of them. I love this card. It's one of my all-time favorite cards. It's tough to let it go, but these are these are like trade bait sort of uh, sort of sort of cards. I I will here. I'll get to some PC cards here. A really nice Patrick Wad Dominion Peerless Patch three color autograph. Yeah. yeah. Uh, nice Connor McDavid on card autograph with a three color patch. This card is numbered out of six. Nice. Pretty wow. cool card. Some Connor McDavid uh, rookie cards. This is the. This is the kind of the base numbered out of four ninety nine. It's the Skybox Premium, and there's his rubies. This is numbered out of fifty. I think wow. this card. I mean, this this is kind of on the PC side. I absolutely love this card. Only uh -huh. fifty of them. I own three of them. Full disclosure: two of them are graded, and now I added a raw to my nice. to my nice. stash. You got you got, uh, you got five percent of the market there. Six. Six percent of the market. Yeah. <laughs> couple of austin matthews rookies these are numbered out of 99 nice. and i like these because this one is numbered one of 99 and this one is numbered 87 of 99 87 is Sidney crosby's jersey number oh, so cool. it doesn't really mean much on an austin matthews card but it's kind of fun i enjoy that picked up a timu solani um jambalaya from 2008 i love oh, cool. this design love yeah. the colors colors of that Here's a Mario Lemieux uh, PMG Red. This is numbered out of 100 from 2014. Uh, the, the, uh, I, I mentioned that in one of my videos. The PMGs in hockey don't have the same sort of value as in the other sports, no? Well, so the PMGs in basketball came out in 1997. We didn't yeah. have our first PMGs in hockey until 2012 Fleer Retro. But right. the difference when 2012 Fleer Retro hockey versus 2012 Fleer Retro baseball and football and basketball, or sorry, basketball and football, is that in hockey they were licensed. So you get a card like this, which was this is this is PC. So this is the Wayne Gretzky PMG Red from yeah, uh, 2012 Fleer Retro. So this is his first Precious Metals gem. Right. This is the red version, so it's the least common. This is numbered out of 100. It's a PSA 7, and I bought this from my friend Karn Rye from the Big Three Hockey. And uh, this completed the rainbow for me. I also have the green and the blue. Both, they're all three PSA 7s now. So really, really cool. Really happy to add this. Probably my my favorite pickup uh, of the show. Uh, so uh, what I was getting, so I was getting, if, if that was like LeBron, who would be the, the Gretzky equivalent, or wouldn't that be like, it would be like 10 times the value or no? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Which, which doesn't quite make sense to me because that, that doesn't, I, found, I remember when I saw that in one of my videos that I just randomly researched, that struck me as weird. It seemed like the PMG hockey should be worth more. Well, I think, you know, if you were to see a So the PMG green, Sidney Crosby, we saw two sell earlier this year. 
and they both did around twenty thousand dollars. So that's mm -hmm. pretty good, I okay. think, for that card. You know, it's obviously you know hockey just isn't basketball. You know, yeah. you look at you look at some of the work you've done, you'll see that basketball outnumbers hockey, you know, twenty to one probably, if not yeah. more. So, yeah. so th there's there's that. Um, but I think if you were to see uh, PMG Green Wayne Gretzky come up at auction now, it would and you know again full disclosure I do own one, so take this with a grain of salt if you want. But I could see it selling for lots of money, and I, I, I'm it's always awkward to say a number considering I have a card, yeah. and you don't want to be seen as as trying to you know Influence pump up it, yeah. your own card. So I'm not going to put a number to it, but I think it's a substantial amount what that would sell for now. Gotcha, so. gotcha. I'll show a few yeah. more. Picked up some Leaf cards. Uh, Leaf Pearl picked up this card here. This is a really historical piece. It's got eight pieces of game-used memorabilia from sure. the pioneers of hockey, oh, including cool. George Vezina, uh, Howie oh, Moran. Going, going way back. Cyclone Taylor. These are the pioneers of the sport yeah, from the 1910s yeah. and 20s. So this is a really cool card. It's numbered out of two. I bought it from the guys at Player's Choice, a card shop out of Kelowna. And uh, just really fell in love with the card from Leaf Pearl. Also picked up this from Leaf Pearl, Dominic Hasek. This is a just a beautiful patch card. Look at that I, patch. I could, yeah, look at that. Couldn't patch. take my eyes off this card. I had to buy this card. Numbered out of five or six. Yeah. Numbered out of five. A beautiful card that'll have some parallels with different colored foil. Um, <clears throat> okay, just this many more I'll show. <laughs> An Alexander Ovechkin cup patch parallel out of eight. I nice. collect these particular cards, so I bought that. Here's a Connor McDavid exquisite. Oh, yeah, flashback to the LeBron rookie year, gold out of 10. Out I was 10, really, yeah. really happy to add that. Picked up a Jonathan Taves Cup RPA tribute card. So Ooh, that's that match, man. Five yeah. colors on that thing. Uh, yeah, there's Four. a little bit of blue even up yeah. in the corner there. Yeah, yeah, this could. So these these are not available, these cards, by the way. No. So. Please don't, please, yeah, PM me if you want, but I'm not going to let him go. Uh, Sidney Crosby, exquisite, Pat auto patch out of 10 with just a beautiful autograph. Yeah, look at does, this stuff. Yeah, this is great stuff. He does a great job squeezing his autograph into a little spot and, uh -huh. and just keeping all of it there, very bold. Connor McDavid, beautiful artifacts, artistic or admirable impressions card, number 24, on-card auto. Yeah, acetate. It's really cool because the acetate covers the whole card, including the patch window. So it's kind of uh -huh. neat. Oh, nice. And then uh, a Mario Lemieux. This is from the second year of the cup. I was going to say, where, where's Super Mario? We're missing. Here That's like the one we're missing. Here he is. Love, love Mario Lemieux. This is his uh, second year of the cup signature patch. This card is numbered out of 25. So it's a short print. The most cards in the set are numbered out of 75. A okay. nice three color patch. Thank you to Grant Patterson for selling me this card at the expo this card here i love this card steve eiserman another player you might know about right i've heard of him <laughs> so this is the this is the he, base he pretty good uh, base patch auto parallel this card's numbered out of eight and uh you know he when he got to detroit in 1984 they were bottom of the barrel team yeah and you know it took him about five or six years he won the stanley cup and you know now he's he's an all-time legend he's an all-time legend of course of course well he's got that famous goal uh yeah i'm not not sure which one you're talking about but no I'm no sure I'm, you... I'm thinking of something else okay and then I'll, I'll finish off with this card here from my friend carlos diego this is a dual scripted sticks card from the cup of my two 
favorite players of all time, Dale Howard, Chuck on top, and my all-time favorite athlete on the bottom, Tamu Solani, played for he, the Winnipeg He's your all-time number one? He's my all-time favorite athlete of any Very sport. Cool. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Team Musilani. Yeah. And this card is numbered out of five. So very, very tough card to find. And uh, again, it comes back to relationships. You know, Carlos bought the card in a high-end a high collection, I believe, at the show. And he brought it right to me and said, I have a card you're going to want. And I looked at it and I said, I, you're right. I want that card. And he would share with me. And I was You know me so me. well. <laughs> Yeah, people know that I collect uh, those <laughs> players, and uh, people at least you know that know yeah. that, that know me. So, pick those up. Uh, this is another Leaf card I grabbed, a thousand assists commemorating. But this has Wayne Gretzky, Gordy Howe, Mario Lemieux, Steve Eisenman, or sorry, yeah, uh, Joe Sakic, Joe Thornton, uh, Steve Eisenman, top middle. Just yeah. a great, a great card. This is numbered. Are five those the six. seven guys with a thousand assists? I it's seven no it, it's no. seven of the guys with a thousand okay. assists but it's seven yeah. of the maybe they have the most I'd have to look that up but yeah yeah just a a really you know Leaf does a great job making like they, yeah some, yeah they do they do some of there their cards some, are just some creative stuff just yeah. stunning and here's another old school mem card of uh you know real pioneers of the game this is a one of one from their in the game oh, used product this is actually from 2016. And this this uh, this card does feature Cyclone Taylor, uh, Jack Adams, who you know an old the Adams division was named after, yeah. among a few others. So just a a great Going way old, back, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I love think, that. I love that. I love the history historical stuff. Yeah. So there you go. There's a bit of a a few of the cards I picked up. That was, a, that was, that was a quality tease. I'll give you a, that was yeah. a quality tease. Well, and there you go, Terry Fortune. Now I don't know if I need to do a, an episode just covering my show, but I'm sure I'll talk about it some more. So, yeah. Okay, man, we're at two and a half hours. We got to wrap this up. <laughs> okay. I'm going to just, uh, yeah. Okay. So thank you everybody. Uh, Raw Dog. Uh, thank you. Says two of the best dudes in the hobby right here. Just joining all love. Big fan. Thank you so much, Raw Dog. Appreciate yeah, that. Gareth you. Miller says, hey, Chris. Gareth. Yes, there you go. go. What is up? He says, What is up? Yeah, uh, Joe Perot. Yeah, just a couple pickups from the expo. Terry, thanks for asking. (laughs) (laughs) Troy says, Who's this Iserman guy? There's another Iserman I grabbed, another tribute card. I don't know why it wasn't in that stack, but uh, thanks, Terry. Appreciate that. Nick M says, Glad the Mario. Oh, yeah, Nick traded me that the this the the Solani Jambalaya and the Mario uh, PMG. Okay, yes, cool. They, there you go. Thank you, Nick, for that trade. Yes, they are going into my PC. Thank you, Troy. All right, we're going to end this. We're going to end this. Guys, <laughs> if you want to find Chris, if you don't know where to find him yet, YouTube, just type in baseball card collector, investor, dealer. You will find him. Links to his eBay store, links to his ComC store. Watch his videos. Among the best, if not the best, on eBay, on YouTube. I'm a big fan. Chris, I want to thank you again for, you know, what is it? 6 a.m. where you are now? Something like that. 6.30, yeah. 6.30. He woke up. He set his alarm to get up at about 4 o'clock a.m. His time to do this. He's in the Netherlands. so Totally worth it. Definitely grateful to have you on, Chris. Thank you for the video you put on your channel, letting people know that you would be here tonight. And anyone who's new that found me and, and Sports Cards Live because of Chris, Grateful to have you. Grateful to Chris to, you know, kind of send you this way. I'd be extremely thankful if you subscribe to the channel and kept on checking them out. I do interviews every Saturday night. And, um, you know, 
tune in for the ones that you find interesting. A big backlog of of of, of interviews in the in the archives on the YouTube channel. Check out any if you want. Watch them at watch them at one point five though, because they're long. I admit these shows go long, but uh, try to get some great quality content out there for all of you guys. So check it out, Chris. Thank you, man. Just uh, this has been great. We'll have to do a part two at some point. Yeah, yeah. This was this was really fun. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you all, all the viewers for watching and and, and commenting and and yeah, really really appreciate it. Awesome. I just Troy says best ever. That's uh, that's high praise. So thank, thank you, you very Troy. much, uh, Troy. Everyone for tuning in. I will be on the Collectible YouTube channel tomorrow night for Collectible Live. I do that for them. Uh, so check that out. If you are able to, my guest will be Gary Balicki. His IG handle is Pristine MJ Sports. So check that out. We're going to have a good chat about the hobby tomorrow night. On it's the YouTube channel is called Collectible App, Collectible APP. I'll put that on the ticker right now. Please join us tomorrow then. And uh, hey, subscribe to that channel as well. And again, the Mint Collective, which is being promoted and, and organized by Collectible and IMG. Dana White will be speaking at that event. Check that out. Uh, it's at the end of January in Las Vegas. Chris is going to try and be there. I'm definitely going to be there. So hope to see you all then. If we don't see you tomorrow night, everybody, have a great week ahead. Brody the Kid will be joining us next Saturday on the show. Be sure to tune in. Good night. Thank you all. What a great chat we had tonight. Sorry if we didn't get to any of your comments. That's it. The show's over. Chris, hang tight. <laughs>